And a happy Friday morning to you. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. Stan the Fan Charles is here, as he is uh, every Friday. You don't have to get rid of it that quickly, yeah, Glenn. That's on me. Yeah, you can let that play out. That's a, that's a really quick fade. That was... Shoop, gone. Griffin, of course, here as always. Um, Griffin Bass. Yes. No that, relation to Marty Bass. Well, that we know of. Or Jake Bass. I mean, I mean maybe there is. Yeah, I don't think so. I no. mean, who knows? It could be like a, a, a 57th cousin or something like that. That's possible. Um, uh, we got a lot to do on a Friday edition of the show. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to catch up with uh, Trent Green, the former NFL quarterback. He is on the call with Kevin Harlan tomorrow for Ravens Dolphins on CBS. Also coming up this they're playing, morning. They're playing Saturday? Did I say tomorrow? Yes. It is definitely not tomorrow. Can't I come promise you that. It is definitely not tomorrow. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. He will be on the call for that. Uh, also, this morning, we will catch up with uh, Buck Martinez. It's been um, obviously a, a, a kind of a crazy year for Buck as uh, he was diagnosed with cancer earlier on in the year. Had to step aside from broadcasting, but he's back. Uh, the Orioles play the Blue Jays this weekend, so we thought it'd be a good time to catch up with our old friend Buck Martinez ahead of that series and, and see how he's doing and uh, congratulating on whooping cancer's ass is what we're going to do on the show today. And also this morning we will catch up with the Press Box Ravens beat writer Bo Smolka as we try to do every Friday during this season. Stan the Fan, good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. Uh, I am currently wearing a Speedo. Uh, nothing else, by the way. I'm not going to let anybody see, but I have uh, no pants. Just uh, I'm, I'm speedoing it over here in uh, this seat as uh, Stan and I will be doing what we do best. Um, nothing. Sensually posing for the Boys of Hamden calendar later on today. You can uh, preview or uh, pre-order the calendar right now by going to boysofhamden.com. It... Uh, it, I, a lot of people, everybody's always coming up to me. They're like, Glenn, you know, you've done a lot of things in your career, but I have one question for you. When are you getting around to posing nude? I get that all the time. I'm sure, Stan, you've been, you've been oh, dealing with God, that for the I've entirety of your career. They're yeah. like, look, yeah. man, you know, doing, doing the TV show, that's great. Doing your radio shows, that's all well and good. But when are you going to finally show the goods? And the answer is today. Today is the answer to that question. You going to give um, a preview on the show? No. No, 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 no. You got to pay. Stanner, you yeah. you got to pay for this. This is not, we don't know. There's no freebies. I knew here. nothing about showing the goods. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. going uh, full frontal, my man. Oh, That's the I way. I did not know that. Full <laughs> frontal. Dueling for, swords? Uh, I mean, I mean, close. We're going to be close by. In, a, a close, in the no, proximity. It, it will be tastefully nude. Yeah. Tastefully nude for the boys of Hand and Calendar boysofhamden.com I'm not taking my socks off. That's correct. Not nude. That's not fully nude. Yep. Socks are staying. Actually, my hat is staying on too. So, we'll not be fully nude. That's the way it's going to go. boysofhamden.com to pre-order the calendar which goes to benefit the Hamden Family Center and all of the wonderful work they do. Our friends over at KNS have been uh, very involved with the Hamden uh uh, yes, the family the center, 100%. Family center for years, Yep, and they do some great things in that section of town. Uh, we're about to talk to Trent Green about the game. Don't forget, if you are headed to the game, Mothers is throwing another tailgate party right next to the stadium at Hammerjacks on Russell Street. Come by this Sunday starting at 9 a.m. and before, during, and after every Ravens home game. It's free to get in. There is also 
an all-inclusive option for $49 with premium brand open bar and great food. Tickets and details are at hammerjacks.com. And while you're there, don't forget to stop by the Pressbox Ginsu Grills tent for free samples and contests. I just saw John Colson setting up an uh, all-new Ginsu grill out in the lobby. Who, who knew that that was one of the many talents of John He's a, a grill man, right? Yeah. He is in, on top of He's being... a grill Put her together. Oh, he's he's that, not a grill man. Okay, he's fair enough. Grill. He's like uh, you ever go to that There's, IKEA store and you need. Does that the grill have anything to do with the shoot today? They're not spit roasting us, are they? Well, I mean, maybe we can incorporate. Maybe I could be flipping burgers during the course of the. <laughs> maybe we should look into this. We yeah. might. You might be onto something, Stan. Uh, of course, coming soon, the Ginsu Kamado Grill, the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today, ginsugrills.com. Stan, we, uh, as we wait uh, for uh, Trent Green to call in, um, we did our picks for the week yesterday. You like the Ravens to cover on Sunday. Yeah. I am a, admittedly a bit more nervous. Still think the Ravens should win but I am not picking them to cover the three and a half that we got the number at just because it's sort of like the way that I felt about last night's game. I thought last night's game was a, a 50-50 kind of a crapshoot game, and if you're telling me that I can get points, uh, more than three points, a field goal's worth of points on one of those teams, I'm typically going to take the team that I get the points if I think that either team has a chance to win the game, and that's sort of how I feel about Sunday. I think the Ravens absolutely could win. I think they absolutely could cover, but I am – a little bit apprehensive about this on Sunday. I'm a well, bit I think, nervous. I think some of that is based on the Ravens-Dolphin game last year, I, yep. but an entirely different situation this year, scenario. Last year, the Ravens had a head of steam up. They were 6-2 and two at the time of that game uh, in November. Mm-hmm. I think November 22nd. It was a Thursday night game. Yeah, it was a Thursday night game. Short work week. And the Dolphins were kind of scrapping a lot of what they did because they were two and six at the time, and they just whooped whooped their ass that night. Uh, they presented this blitzing the cover zero cover yeah. zero defense. It's amazing how there's always a new name popping up for some you know crazy new defense, uh, and they just mystified John Harbaugh and Greg Roman last year. Uh, with I, that you know, defense. Stan, you say that. I don't think that's what it was. I think they mystified Lamar Jackson. The truth was that the plays that were called had outlets available underneath right. almost the entirety of the game. Like, there was almost always someone to throw the ball to, and for whatever reason, Lamar Jackson didn't want to take the underneath outlets during the course of the game. Now, somebody might say, hey, the running backs that the Ravens had a year ago, Lamar was doing the mental math in his head like, this dude ain't going anywhere. Like, I can throw him the ball. He ain't going anywhere. Well, the thing that was a little scary about that game was how reminiscent it was to some of the playoff losses that we've had, most notably the Charger game and the Bills game. So the Charger game, the story, of course, being they went with the extra safety and the idea being they just wanted speed on the field to try to contain Lamar Jackson. Like, the thought was have as much... There wasn't as much blitzing in that, but there was more coverage of Lamar keeping him contained. It was give me speed, 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 and that's how we neutralize and and keep Lamar Jackson from being able to do dangerous things with his feet. Because, again, at the time... Lamar had not, you know, shown himself as to, to be the passer that ultimately um, we we found him to be in the coming yeah. years. For the most part, in that first season, it was Lamar Jackson, the runner, and 
you know, much less of Lamar Jackson, the passer mm-hmm. at that point. Um, I admittedly, I'm concerned about it, but I'm also just concerned about the fact that the Dolphins have weapons, and we still don't know about Marcus Peters for Sunday. And doesn't sound doesn't sound real promising. That he's going to play. They don't have Cal Fuller, and yeah. you are presenting both Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. And I get it. I Tua Tungavailoa does not strike fear into my heart, but when you have those types of playmakers on the field, I I think it's going to be. Uh, I, I think it's going to be tough. I think you're in for a difficult day. Um, hopefully the Ravens can continue to get pressure from their defensive line, specifically as they did in week one. Let's talk a little bit more about this on Sunday. Joining us now, of course, former NFL quarterback, and he will be on the call for Ravens-Dolphins on CBS alongside our buddy Kevin Harlan. He is Mr. Trent Green, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Trent, it's Glenn and Stan in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, excited to uh, excited to call this game this weekend. I tell you what, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I, weapons all over the field on both sides of the ball. It's, uh, it's going to be good. Trent, that's what we were just talking about. I am a little apprehensive uh, on this side of things because, again, we saw what happened when these teams got together a year ago, but... Moreover, this is a Dolphins team that now presents you a Tyree Kill and a Jalen Waddle and a Ravens secondary that is banged up once again here to start this 2022 season. I think this is an incredible test for the Ravens in Week 2. Oh, it's a huge test. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of people are excited about the Dolphins and, and what they can try and get done. And, and uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, they did in week one. I think you've got to be encouraged by that. So yeah, this is this is an incredible test. I think when you look at Baltimore's uh, schedule, you know you got New England at New England, then you got Buffalo and Cincinnati. I mean, it's it's not an easy start to the season, but you can you can see where you are as a team. Uh, you know, real early, you can find out real early about yourself. So um, I do think it's a great opportunity. You know, talking to the players and coaches this week, uh, they're excited about the opportunity. I don't think. Uh, they're trying to hide uh, behind the fact that they had problems with cover zero last year uh, because of Miami and what they do with their with their de- their defensive front and their pressures. Um, so they're not hiding behind it, and they're they're excited about uh, facing the opportunity. They feel like they have a good plan getting ready for it. Trent, uh, talk to me a little bit about how teams from week one to week two, and then a couple more weeks down the road, how they open up more of their playbook. I was reading. Uh, a, a points expert, you know, and he talked about the fact that he felt that the Ravens would didn't show much in the Jets game, and that they may show a lot more of what they can do offensively Sunday. Well, I, I agree with that, and a lot of it has to do with the way teams approach the preseason now, the yeah. way players approach the preseason, the way training camps are conducted, the number of padded practices, how many hours they're allowed to practice. I mean, that's all collectively a bargain collectively bargained and what's in the cba so i think what you do is you, you maybe see a little bit more vanilla stuff early in the season as guys get acclimated to playing again as coaches get acclimated to having those guys on the field who their who their main guys are going to be so i agree with you i, th- I think it uh, i think early on um early on especially you know, especially when you have teams that don't that don't play a ton in the preseason, you're you're going to see things evolve as the, as the season goes on. And the thing I'm, I know you guys are hoping for, and I know we're hoping for as announcers. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they let J.K. dress 
uh, dressed mm. this weekend and, and get after it a little bit because uh, it would be a lot of fun having him in this game. He is Trent Green. He's with us on GCR. Ravens Dolphins Sunday at 1 on CBS. Trent, to follow up on what Stan said, we saw a sort of a determined effort from Lamar Jackson to stay in the pocket in week one and not take off and, you know, let plays develop. And some of them turned into some big touchdown throws, right? Others, you know, it, it felt like maybe there was some running space there that he wasn't taking. What did you make of what you saw from him in week one? Obviously, with the, the subplot being, you know, his contract and what's at stake and everybody's got an opinion. Maybe he doesn't want to take any big hits. Maybe he's, you know, what did you make of it? Maybe it's just nothing more than, hey, it's week one. Perhaps there's a little rust from having not played since last November. Well, I, I think there's a couple things. And I don't, I don't think I can say for a fact. I know as a player, when you're out on the field, you're not thinking about your contract and what's happening. And, you know, oh, if I take off and run now, am I going to get hurt and jeopardize what potential deals? I, I, you don't think about it, really. When you're playing, you play. Uh, I think what Lamar, Lamar is very aware of his style of game and what he's really good at. And I think what he's continually tried to do, at least in the conversations I've had with him over the years about his development as a quarterback, he spent a lot of time uh, two years ago, we were talking about his footwork and how he wants to, how he wants to handle his footwork and the timing in the pocket and the timing throws. And, and uh, he really works at it. And, and this off season, you know, he went out to California and he worked with his quarterback coach and he wanted to do just continue that process of, in this league for a long time he knows the style that he plays especially those first couple years that you generally don't have a you know 15 to 20 year career playing with a with with a style like that so he knows um he he knows he has to evolve his game and and at some point in his career he's not going to be able to have those dynamic runs so give him credit for recognizing that um and the fact that he's trying to evolve his game, get to you know, get it to the point where he works through the pocket. And now he's not shy about it. I brought up to him. I said, "Hey, are you?" Because I said the same thing to him. The same questions you're asking me. I said, "I asked him." I said, "You know, it looked like you're you're putting more of a conscious effort in." And he says, "Well, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to continue to, to grow in this offense and work in this offense." He goes, "If I have to take off and run, I'll take off and run. I'm not going to be hesitant about it." He goes, "But I'm just uh, continuing to try and grow within the offense and grow as a quarterback." So. I think those are all encouraging things. You want guys, you know, they're going to work at their craft and continue to try and get better and find ways to improve. I mean, I did certainly. And obviously some of the throws he made were spectacular. I mean, there's just no question. Oh about yeah. That. His, like, his arm, his arm talent is, is yes. as good as anybody in the league. Definitely. I mean, it's, it, and by, by the way, that's one of the dumb things that we still, he gets criticized about by people blindly because they're just not watching. He is remarkable at throwing the football. Um, uh, Trent, let me follow up on that. If I could, what do you make of how he's handling all of this? So getting away from it, you know, this week he said, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm going to shut it down. There are, of course, opinions that, you know, could there be bad blood between player and team when you're the one doing the negotiations yourself and they're not willing to go where you want to go? What do you make of any impact any of this might have on the Ravens this season, on Lamar? Uh, to your point, like, that you block all that out, are you capable of not thinking about it even a little bit, that it never comes up as the season goes along, that it can never be an issue that bleeds into the football field? So on top of the Ravens and the entire organization uh, being one of the best in the NFL, uh, players, coaches, personnel, all the way up and down, they they have to be some of the best actors 
in the country if they're able to pull off with okay because you, no matter who you talk to they, they there's no one saying that there's anything contentious about the negotiations it was hey we presented ours they presented theirs we didn't come to i mean it, it unless they're all really good actors and and uh and, and are selling it incredibly well uh it doesn't seem like there is now to go back to your original question for me personally that's why i had an agent Mm-hmm. I was always very, I was always very aware of what other quarterbacks got in the league, what other quarterbacks' numbers were, both statistically and financially. Uh, I took it upon myself to be educated in that. And as a member of the union, I could call up the union and say, "Listen, I want every contract of all the starting quarterbacks, and I want to be." And, and I would read through those, and I would know it because if I got called into those meetings or I got called to the side or whatever, I wanted to be educated about what was going on, and so. Even though, but I did not, I'll tell you this, I did not want to be in the room when, when they're saying, well, we're going to pay him this because this is what he does. This is what he does right. This is what he does wrong. I, I didn't want to hear that. That's, that's why I had the agent part of it. Um, and, and there's parts, you know, there's, there's intricate parts of the, of the contracts where, you know, now everything's about guaranteed money and what's guaranteed, non-injury related, injury related, fully guaranteed. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, I personally wouldn't do that, but that's what Lamar and his family have decided to do, and, and that's the way they're approaching. So I'm not I'm not faulting them about that. It's just, um, you know, it can. Uh, there's a lot that goes into understanding the contract, and I don't know. I've never had those conversations with him about who within his family circle is or his personal uh, people that are close enough that are helping him with this. You know how well educated they are on contracts, and how, you know. Um, that that's a personal thing. So sure. if that feels something that, that he's comfortable with, that's fine. I just know for me personally, I was never, I always wanted to be educated on it, but I didn't want to be in that, in that room going back and forth about, you know, why, why the value is this way or why the value is that way. Trent, uh, a question aside from co- contract out of the way, take that out of the equation. This decision by him to put on, I think it's 18 pounds of muscle, um, is that an acknowledgement that somehow he was, because you just alluded to the fact that he's smart enough to know he's not going to last that long running as much as he was. Is that the mindset there is if I'm stronger, I can take hits a little bit better? And how do you think that impacts his play? Well, I would think that uh... – uh, I, I think it's great that he's aware of it. Yeah. Um, I know that for me and, and <laughs> believe me, my body type and his body type are a hundred percent different, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, when, t- when talking to him this week, he was saying, you know, his natural body is probably about what weigh, weighs about 205, 210 or something like that. Yeah. He has to eat, he has to eat and lift to maintain that weight. I was similar once again, not a similar body type, but my, my metabolism was such that, the, the number of calories that I had to eat and the amount that I had to work out just to maintain, to be at that level too, you know, as you, as you grow in the league as a player and you start to understand your body more and what the wear and tear of it through the course of the season, through the course of the off season, through the course of taking hits, you kind of find a weight. Like I came out of college, I was about 210, 212. Uh, through the first, my first few seasons, I kind of jumped back and forth between 210 and 225 trying to find that optimal weight like okay when do i feel uh you know when do i feel big enough that i can that i can deal with the punishment and what it's going to take to go through when am i too heavy to where i feel sluggish and can't move 
and you know when am I too light to where I can't recover because I can't protect myself so for me I kind of found that that range about 217 that was that was my that was my mark if I could be 217 going into games that was what I wanted to do um talking to Lamar about it and we and we asked him these questions this week do you feel like you've slowed down because you've added the extra 15 pounds and he said no not at all I feel like I'm just as fast as I was prior to the 15 pounds so I would so in my mind 15 pounds that would, for me, that would slow me down. But mm-hmm. if you're adding, you know, 15 pounds of muscle, you know, some guys that even makes them faster. So uh, he said that he feels like his speed is the same as what it was before. Um, he just wanted to take better care of his body. He's like, I wanted to stop eating certain things. He mm-hmm. goes, I'm pretty picky about what I eat. I'm, I'm not a big sweets guy. It's, you know, um, you know, and so and so, I think it's just a matter of him trying to trying to take care of himself and and uh, you know find that optimal weight. Is he's still a young player, so yeah. um, I th- once again, I think that's a positive thing. You know, it's an interesting thing. It's a totally different sport, but I remember reading Jim Palmer, the great Hall of Famer, pitch here for the Orioles and still a broadcaster. He tried as he aged. He wanted to go into spring training lighter than he was the year before thinking that lighter was better now of course football is a totally different animal but it's interesting to to hear that uh, assessment Trent well I think I think the thing is a thrower uh and and obviously Palmer being a pitcher and, and Lamar and I both well Lamar being a quarterback and me being a former quarterback as a thrower the one thing you have to maintain is the elasticity of your mm-hmm. throwing motion uh, I think that was something that I did a couple different times throughout my career where I would like, okay, I need to bulk up. I need to get bigger. And uh, I would get stronger and I would add weight, but then my ball wouldn't wouldn't travel as far as what it did. Or I didn't have as much velocity. I was like, well, this doesn't make any damn sense. I said, <laughs> I'm stronger than I've ever been. Well, I think, and, and, and to Jim's point, I think being lighter and having the elasticity of it, and that would be the interesting thing with, with Lamar, is as long as you're maintaining the stretching and the flexibility and the range of motion that you've always had, um, then it's fine getting bigger. Where I was in my career and understanding that, you know, this was way before I had personal trainers and, you know, the yogas and the Pilates. and I mean, that wasn't the – that wasn't the world of the NFL at that point in time. So I I didn't know about all that stuff. And and once I got educated on it, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to, for me, I need to lift, lift less uh, heavy weights and do more reps of lighter weights and maintain my flexibility um, just because you want that, continue that range of motion. So uh, that, that's, that makes complete sense to me uh, that Palmer said that because uh, having the elasticity of your motion and your range of motion uh, is an important part of it. Uh, Trent, before we let you go, we referenced at the top what happened a year ago. Obviously, the Ra- the Ravens facing the Dolphins and then bringing the cover zero. Um, it's a new coaching staff. It's you know it's a year removed. It's not a short week. Do you expect that what the Dolphins are going to present is going to be similar, or you know, in the eternal chess match of football, is it more we want you to think that what we're going to do is similar, but you know, <laughs> instead we're going to do something else and if they do present something similar, how do the Ravens handle it much better than they did a year ago? Well, I, I think one thing you do as a team, you don't want to just assume that someone is going to make those adjustments. So I think early on, you will see the Dolphins say, hey, they say they've made adjustments. Let's find out if they really <laughs> have. So uh, I don't 
I don't think they change just because that's what, you know, Josh Boyer has done as defensive coordinator the last few years is um, they like, they like causing confusion and havoc on third down and they've had a lot of success with it. So uh, I think until the Ravens prove that they, that they can not be affected by it and, and have an answer for it, I think, I think you'll see them try it. I don't, I don't think they'll just, uh, take them on their word that they found the right adjustment. Um, I think uh, so. That that'll be early on. Then to answer your second part of your question is how do you how do you attack cover zero? Uh, you know that that's always the fight. It, it's you got to have man beaters, right? You got to have uh, you got to have ways to win one on one. So it's it's really a matchup driven league. You find your best matchup. You find your way to get your best matchup open. Um, you know if you're an offensive guy, you call them rubs. If you're a defensive guy, you call them picks. Uh, if, uh, if you got one guy faster than the other, then, then you take that matchup. Um, you gotta be careful, uh, when you got cover zero, because you never know if they're going to drop out. You know, they may show seven, eight guys in the line of scrimmage, and then they drop out the defensive tackles, you know, or they drop out the ends or they, they, they drop six out and only work, rush one or two. I mean, it's, um, you never know. So if you try throwing that quick popper over the middle, uh, that quick hitter over the middle, um, you know, sometimes you can end up throwing an errant interception just because of, uh, you know, for me, in my mind, it's, you know, I, Dom Capers in that zone blitz that he ran forever and ever uh, as, as a longtime defensive coordinator and head coach, Dom was great at that, kind of that zone blitz scheme. And, and I'd like to tell you that I never threw a pick into a zone blitz, but I unfortunately <laughs> threw a pick into a zone blitz because you, you, you never know who's going to drop out of there. So um, there are some ways to answer it. Um, I do think that uh, Miami's, uh, their defense is their defense, and we'll probably see it until uh, until the Ravens prove they can uh, they can beat it. I uh, I just saw that uh, your your daughter's having a successful volleyball career. Is that correct? <clears throat> she is. Yeah, she's a junior in high school, um, and uh, and a couple months ago just committed to University of Cincinnati for volleyball. That's awesome. Congratulations, Trent. That is so yeah, cool. Go Bearcats. You. Go Bearcats. Uh, yeah. At, at TrentGreen10 yeah. on Twitter is how you follow him. And again, Sunday, he and Kevin Harlan, 1 o'clock, CBS or Ravens Dolphins. Trent, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. I have no doubt uh, you'll be back on a Ravens game at some point this season and hope we can catch you up again then. All right. Definitely. That's great. Good talking to you guys. Take care. Thank you, Trent. Trent Green, the uh, former Pro Bowl quarterback, of course, uh, with the Chiefs, and actually spent, I think, a season in Miami before his career was over. And Redskins. Yeah, he, uh, and and I know he started, of course, with the uh, the Rams. As, uh, That's right. He was, uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, he, was he not the quarterback that got hurt that paved the way for Kurt, Kurt Warner? Kurt Warner, I th- uh I'm not sure of that. Hang on a it's second. It's possible. Hang on a second. I it's ringing a bell now. Who got that you who got hurt that led to Kurt? I think it was Trent. I think it was. I really man. Hang on a second. Um. Mm, I don't know. I didn't insert. Yes, Trent Green's injury was the start of Kurt Warner. Yeah. There you it's go. Wild. There you go. How about wild. that? And Trent was a hell of a quarterback too. Not maybe not you know didn't have Kurt Warner's career, but he was a his hell injuries of, really. Yeah. Those uh, he was concussions. A yeah. Hell of a quarterback. Yeah. Stan the fan Charles is in studio with us on a Friday edition of the program. We're going to talk some Orioles when we come back in. They have stayed alive, albeit by the skin of their teeth. Um, they do still have life. Final the candle off- is flickering. It the- hasn't been extinguished. Glenn. I did not know that yesterday was the final off day of the season. I didn't just do the math on that, that they play every day for the rest of the season, yeah. 20 games in 20 days to close out uh, the calendar year. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then uh, Buck Martinez is going to check in with us. Today's show also brought to you 
by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It's the best place to be for your football betting weekend. No place better. They have all the games on. They also have the... That would uh, be a good tagline. No, no place, place better. better. We'll talk to them about that, yeah. see how they feel about it. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, the uh, the final fight of the trilogy. Or they say it's the final fight. You never actually know. Um, but the third fight between those guys, they will be showing that. You can watch it for free in the FanDuel Sportsbook tomorrow and bet on it and win money. That sounds a lot better than paying for it on pay-per-view and not being able to win any money. Seems like it would be a no-brainer. Reserve your spot right now. Events at SportsSocialMD.com. It's Glenn Clark Radio. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 11.40. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 11.40, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports' Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. The Maryland Lottery presents Ravens Greatest Plays. 2021, the game on the line. With three seconds left, the Ravens connect on an impossibly long 66-yard field goal to beat Detroit. The longest field goal in history. Another great Ravens play belongs to Touchdown Joe from Silver Spring. Joe scratched a Ravens scratch-off and won a top prize of $100,000. You could be next. Play Ravens scratch-offs to win instant cash or enter to win great second-chance prizes. Please play responsibly. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone from novices to grill masters to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. Constructed out of thick ceramic, the Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at Ginsu. GinsuGrills.com. That's GinsuGrills.com. Join Glenn at halftime of every Ravens game for the Project Game Day Halftime Show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We apologize in advance. There's not much we can do about his face. Stan the Fan Charles in studio with us on a Friday edition of GCR. Stan, you have been doing all sorts of shows this week. Oh, my goodness gracious. I mean, my God. you got The guy in charge here is going to have to pay you a little bit more, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, we got a chance to catch up with uh, Jeff Newman last night, uh, who's the president and CEO of the Maryland Five Star Event. 
and we uh, did the first of three or four different interviews we'll do leading up to that event, October 13th through the 16th. Uh, and I hope you get out there this yep, year. I really uh, want to. The, the day to go is the Saturday, and I don't know if that works your schedule or not. Pull up my schedule and it is, right by the now. way, it really is a good family event. Uh, Friday yeah. might be more practical for me than, th- than Saturday. Okay. I'm just looking at my... It's know. just that the, sa- the Friday is the dressage. Oh, that's, yeah, that's the, the, the sort of horse dancing figure thing. Skating yeah, right. Thing. Saturday is majestic. It really okay. is. The uh, cross country I is really... I, might be, I, gotta, I gotta work around something, but yeah. I... Look, I am going to get out there. Yeah. Because as I said before, and as you and I talked about yesterday, I one of the things I committed to in the aftermath of the World Cup decision was we're going to lift up, we're going to support the events that do choose to be here. We're not going to just keep lamenting and woe is me and another loss, or, but we're not doing that. We're going to say the people, the folks that are choosing that they want to have their world-class events here in our backyard, we're yeah, going to support them. Yep, that's yep. what we're going to do. Yeah, yep, yep. So, you, so we had uh, Jeff Hathaway, had uh, Jeff Newman, excuse yep. me, had uh, earlier in the week had Mr. Uh, Jim Duquette on mm-hmm. with Ross Grimsley and I and talked baseball with him for 25 minutes or so. They're always good to catch up with Jim Duquette, who does a terrific job over on XM Radio, Sirius Radio, with uh, our friend Mike Farron. Yep. Uh, yeah. You can find those shows. And also, you did a, sort of an exit interview from the uh, Maryland Cycling Classic as well. I, for, I forgot about that. All of those shows available right Terry now. Terry Hazeltine and Chris Aaronholt from Medalist Sports, yep. who was instrumental in sort of doing the logistical setup of that uh, Maryland Cycling Classic, which I hear, uh, you know, I watch a little bit of it on TV. Uh, The buzz on it was that it really was interesting to people. People gathered and watched it at different points along the race. So you can uh, find all those shows, facebook.com slash pressboxsports, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or pressboxonline.com slash video for all of Stan's shows this week. Stan, the Orioles enter a series that, you know, I mean, we'll use the word critical, but we're kind of at the point where everything is critical. We can say, hey, it's critical because it's the Blue Jays. I, the thing I keep coming back to is it's, it's very difficult to paint a picture where the Orioles are winning all six against the Blue Jays the rest of the way. So this thing where, hey, well, you could still control your own destiny with the Blue Jays, I just don't find that to be practical. I, to me, that's that's practical when you're discussing the fact that you're two games back, something along those lines, because then you go four and two. Yeah, and you've picked up the ground you need to 100%. cover. 100%. To yeah. practically assume this team going six and oh, I think they need to make up you know, a couple of games, but I think it's more, they just need to stockpile as many wins as they possibly can and hope for the best that one of these three teams is going to end up having a difficult week before the season is over. Well, they, they, they put, they put themselves in a real bind, Mm -hmm. you know, by going two and six at a key moment in the season, they got very unlucky with the Jordan Lyles illness day. Um, and then experimented with the Tyler Wells coming back and, you know, the way they did that, I wasn't crazy about. Um, to me, after they traded Jorge Lopez, they had one deficiency in the whole staff, and that was another arm in the bullpen. There wasn't – No one – Didn't seem to be that the starting rotation – other than a couple games, was off, and they suddenly said, hey, we need to fit Tyler Wells back in there. I didn't get that. But the point is, I wrote a column earlier in the week uh, on the off day 
that the playoff candle is flickering, but it's not extinguished yet. And I'll tell you, I sort of had the wrong scenario of team. The team that won that series, the five-game series between Toronto and Tampa Bay was Toronto because we were pinched closer to Toronto. Yep. So now we've got the same scenario with Tampa Bay. But you um, don't have any games in hand. Yeah, you've got – but and, and they've got the tiebreaker against yeah, you. Yeah, Th- that, yeah. That really begs the question of what Brandon Hyde did that day three and a half, four weeks ago on Sunday when they decided – to start D.L. Hall mm, in and, then, yep. and then sort of said, and he didn't really pitch that horribly, but that was a game you really, it was, that a, was, it was an important game to win because you would have had the tiebreaker. A hundred percent. You know, uh, and then they sent him back to the minors and said, hey, we're going to bring him up as a relief well, Why pitcher. not bring him up as a reliever to begin with? Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's you know. all of these things have been things that I've just been kind of, sc- I'm scratching my head right now about Grayson Rodriguez, right? Like what? Are, are, do you think he's making starts in the major leagues before the season is over? I don't see where that's I don't see why the from. need to stretch him out is. So uh, why he, wouldn't you just call him up and put him in? And I, I, I again, the argument being, well, you know, you want to have him make his major league debut and and announce it. At, at, dude, we're we're past they, that. They, they did that with they did the same exact thing with Dylan Bundy in 2012. They, they brought put him, him in the bullpen, got him, right? Got because him they were trying to win. Yeah, and that's look. I have been the guy that's been critical before. I was critical about the Adley Rutschman thing. <clears throat> I I think when you have the opportunity to, the best thing you can do is announce ahead of time, give your fan base the opportunity to say we want to be there to celebrate this guy. But I throw all that out the window when you're in a playoff race, when you're trying to get into the postseason and you're just doing whatever's best. And I don't really understand why Grayson Rodriguez, I I get that he wasn't brilliant in his last outing, although he did strike out seven guys. He, He walked three, ended up giving up four runs, but he struck, he got recorded eight outs, seven of them were by strikeout. Um, I just don't really understand why he's starting games in the minor leagues right now, unless you've kind of waved the white flag and said he's not making his major league. He's not going to be on the big league club this season. We're just letting him finish yeah. out a normal, you know, kind of conclusion to his minor league. Year. Luke and I went out to see him in his last game at Bowie, and the first inning he was absolutely brilliant. The second inning, I think the lat sort of fatigues a little bit, and everything was way up high. You know, uh, so to me, I'd bring him up, put him in the bullpen, and he'd throw an inning. Correct. You know, if he throws three, three or four shutout innings the rest of the year at key moments, mm-hmm. you, you might have something. And you you've know, clearly had a struggle beyond the three guys that you trust in the bullpen. Right. You just have not. Right. I'd rather have Grayson Rodriguez for an inning than Joey Craven. Correct. Or Nick Vespi. And I and I get they're still trying to make the Brian Baker thing work and in moments. Yeah, he's, in, in, he's been th- okay. There are moments where Brian Baker has given them quality this season, yeah. and there are a lot of moments where it has not been that. But they have truly struggled to find something they can count on besides those three guys. So I'm with you, Stan, where I say, dude, what, what are we doing? You might need somebody to give you an inning this weekend. Just bring up Grayson Rodriguez, put him in the bullpen, and try to get through this thing. Yeah. I, I'm befuddled by why he's making more starts in, in the yeah, minors. I, Outside of, again, a scenario where they've just already decided yeah, he's not coming right. up this year, yeah. and they're just trying to get him 
you know, some more innings ahead of next year. That's the only way that that makes sense. Yeah, to me. I mean, the the games are a dwindling right now. Yes. Uh, so we, it's got to be decided in the next few days. You know, maybe they will after this Toronto series. If we close a little ground, we win two out of three, or keep our fingers crossed, would sweep Toronto. It would really get interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, you know. they sweep Toronto. All of a sudden, yeah. it's it's game on. But, but I'm in agreement with you. The way that you attack trying to to pick up six games, which we put ourselves in that bind, is not dreaming of going 6-0 and against Toronto. It's making damn sure that when Toronto loses to Tampa mm-hmm. or whomever, Texas, whomever else they have on their dance card, maybe the Yankees, that we're winning that day against somebody. And that includes that the series you need to sweep is the four-game series against Detroit. No, you better. Yeah. You that's, damn well that's better. That's the series you And look, to their credit, they took care of business against Washington. Although, you know, again, yeah. the, bat, the bats still – they couldn't get anything going against Patrick Corbin. Like, that's, that's not ideal. Um, the other thing, obviously, before we get to Buck Martinez, Gunnar Henderson, you know, been remarkable. He's yeah. been really, really good to start his MLB career. You know, it's interesting, real quick. I know we, we're yep. getting Buck on, but Matt Kremenitzer, who writes for us a lot of analytical stuff, took a poll uh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had to only could choose one, who would you choose, Adley Rutschman or Gunnar Henderson? 950 votes uh, tallied as of last night, and it was Adley 83% mm-hmm. and Gunner 17%. The value of it being a catcher, yeah. you know, that's also supposed to be the generational, you know, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. All right. Um, a pleasure to catch up with our next guest. Of course, we are quite familiar with him back in these parts. And as the Orioles and Blue Jays get underway this weekend, we thought it would be great to catch up with him, not only to talk some baseball, but also to uh, talk about him a little bit as he has had a year. He is Blue Jays play-by-play voice and our friend Mr. Buck Martinez, and he is back with us here on GCR. Buck, it's Glenn Clark and Stan the Fan Charles back in Baltimore. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Uh, thank you for having me. It's good to be with you again. Uh, Buck, um, you have been through a year. We know that. Um, I, I guess the first, the most important question is, how are you feeling? How are you doing at this point? Oh, I feel pretty good. I've been back now for about a month, and you can tell my voice right now. We had uh, a doubleheader on Tuesday, four games in five days, and uh, my voice is a little uh, shaky in the morning, but it gets better as the day goes on. Just uh, building up my strength again after coming back from all that treatment. What has it meant to you, the outpouring of love, um, the way that you've been lifted up, not just by the po- folks in Toronto, but throughout the baseball community? Yeah, it's been pretty awesome. Uh, people have treated me very well, and I'm fortunate to be around the game for a long time. And uh, a lot of great friends, a lot of great fans reached out to me during uh, the summer, and it, it's pretty humbling. And I'm uh, very appreciative of that. And I know that all their best wishes had a lot to do with my uh, – getting healthy again so uh, i certainly thank everybody for reaching out to me but before we talk some baseball what are the doctors telling you at this point well i go back to houston to md anderson on monday for three days to get checked up but everything's pretty good we're uh we're very positive that uh, we've got this beat and uh, we'll have some more tests done and uh I, i'm very confident in the staff down there at md anderson they've been terrific with me 
and uh, I, I think we'll be just fine. Love the, We love the sounds of that, and I hope that you were feeling some of that love from back here in Baltimore. Obviously, there's going to be no love this weekend between the Orioles and Blue Jays, <laughs> but I hope, Buck, that you were feeling the love from your friends back here in Baltimore during the course of the year. Um, you know, a huge weekend, obviously, for Baltimore kind of getting in the last stand territory. Um, and we saw the emotions were high the last time these teams got together. Uh, I guess let me start there, Buck. Do you expect that there's going to be any carryover uh, from what we saw in Baltimore and that, you know, something could set things off at some point this weekend? I don't really think either team has had that uh, mindset coming into this series. There's too much at stake. You've got to take care of the baseball aspect of things first and foremost. And, uh, you know, the Orioles have uh, their pretty good pitchers lined up, Lyles, Bradish, and uh, Dean Kramer. So I, I think they're in pretty good shape. Today, the Blue Jays are going to have a bullpen day. So we're not really sure who's going to start or who might pitch in that game. So, you know, they've got Barrios on Saturday afternoon and Alec Manoa on Sunday. And, and Manoa pitched very well against the Orioles the last time he faced them. So, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting series. I don't expect there to be any nonsense. I think both teams have a lot of respect respect for each other. And there's too much to stake worry about uh, back or getting even or any of that stuff. I think they got to concentrate on playing baseball. Buck, uh, a little side story within the Blue Jays camp. Is John Snyder Schneider's future dependent upon him making not only the playoffs but a, a fairly decent playoff run or do you think he's there's no question they're going to look for a bigger name or do you think his future with the Jays is in in the offing of what happens I, I think he's probably even more secure than uh, the results for the rest of the year okay he's done such a good job of turning things around and he's a he's a blue jay you know he signed with the blue jays as a player he Got into coaching at 28 years old. He is uh, a guy that uh, a lot of these players on this team played for in the minor leagues. And now he's uh, their manager in the big leagues. And I think he's done some interesting things. And, and first and foremost, you know, he dropped Bo Bichette down to the seventh spot. And uh, Bo was struggling at the time. Yep. And uh, whatever the reason, Bo's turned things around. And you guys saw it firsthand in Baltimore. Did a lot ever. Was <laughs> Thanks a reminder, Bo. <laughs> Thanks. Jeez. But anyway, you know, I think John Snyder is uh, the guy to take this team uh, forward. I, I love the way he's handled his bullpen. I love the way he's handled his team. And I think that the players have a lot of respect for him. Orioles and Blue Jays playing three this weekend, starting tonight up in Toronto. Buck Martinez is with us on GCR. Um, Buck, how much did that 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 trip to Baltimore? You know, this is a, the Orioles had had a lot of success against the Blue Jays this season coming into still that. lead the season series, correct? Right now. Um, but how much did that do for you know? We see that they've continued to play well, and obviously had a, a, mostly a good week against Tampa Bay. How much did that week do for for the confidence of this Blue Jays team? Well, you know, it uh, it did a lot. And, uh, you know, the Blue Jays have a tough schedule. They just finished up four games with Tampa, or five games in four days with Tampa Bay, and they won three of those five. But, uh, you know, when they went into Baltimore, I mean, they had a tough assignment. Uh, you go in there and you play uh, four games in three days, and they had the doubleheader on Monday. And, you know, they split those two games, and they, you know, came back and uh, they had a, a tough series there as, as Baltimore won three out of four. But, I think the biggest thing about this team is that both teams understand the magnitude of it. You know, the Orioles are a terrific story no matter what happens from this point forward. You know, they won 52 games last year, and they've already won 75. 
I know Brandon Hyde is not satisfied with that. And I know they have postseason on their mind as well, but uh, what a season they have had. And and I heard you talking about, uh, you know, Rutschman and, and Henderson and, you know, Grayson Rodriguez is in the future as well. And I think they've done a hell of a job of turning their organization around. So, you know, I, I think that the Blue Jays uh, and the Rays have probably the toughest schedule in the American League. And the Orioles are still going to play Houston, and they got to go on a trip to Boston and New York, and then they finish up. These two teams play in Baltimore the last uh, three games of the season. So I think there's a lot of very tough games ahead for both of these clubs, and I expect it to be some exciting baseball. Bo, uh, you mentioned Alex Manoa starting Sunday. Uh, I don't know how much you were able to watch him this year uh, with what you were going through, but this guy is a, a real beast on the mound. Uh, can you talk a little bit about his mentality? Yeah, you know what? He's a throwback. There's no question about it. He's a guy that, uh, you know, he really uh, didn't want to use pitch cam. He liked to use the traditional signs, but he has since changed a little bit. But Alec Manoa, for a young guy, is uh, so advanced in his knowledge of pitching, and, and he makes adjustments on the mound. And, you know, this guy had 35 innings in the minor leagues when they brought him up in 2021. Right. 35 innings. Now he's closing in on 200 this year. So there's a couple of things. First and foremost, I applaud the organization for not putting any chains on him and, and you know saving his innings because he's a horse. He's six six. He weighs two sixty. You guys have seen him. He's a mountain of a man and a wonderful young man that loves to compete. I haven't seen too many starting pitchers that are engaged with their team during the time that they're pitching in a game because he'll come up to the front rail. He'll talk to his hitters. He'll talk to anybody and. He just loves to compete, and, and I think we have seen that he's going to be a, an impact pitcher for a long time, and I'm sure that the Orioles are going to see a lot of Alec Manoa, and, and the Bougies are going to see a lot of uh, D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson over the years. I think this is going to be another terrific rivalry in the AL East. Bo, um, uh, uh, Buck Martinez, Buck, of course. Sorry, with us here I don't know why I'm saying that because I'm thinking of yeah. Bo Bichette. Uh, Buck. Uh, what did you know Alex Anthropoulos pretty well? The fact that the Braves brought up both the outfielder Harris and Grissom, um, and then and wh how they were able to do jumping up from Double A, do you think that's impacted how teams now will look upon bringing up their talent younger? Well, I think what has happened is the uh, new basic agreement uh, does. Okay. Uh, preclude you from bringing them up because there's no service time restrictions like there used to be. So I think that's why we're seeing so many young guys come up and contribute. I mean, these guys could have been doing this the last several years, but nobody wanted their uh, free agent clock to start ticking. Gotcha. So yeah. I think that has more to do with it than anything. Buck Martinez, just another couple minutes here on GC. I wanted to run because you brought the, the, both their names up, and obviously your experience is both a catcher and a manager. I wanted to follow up on both these things. What you've seen of Adley so far and knowing the difficulty of playing that position day in and day out, and he's also you know, expected to be a middle-of-the-order bat and a guy that's going to carry. How impressed have you been? Do you see – and I know obviously you guys have a hell of a catcher in Toronto too – um, but do you see him as the generational talent that we've kind of believed he was as he's come through this thing? No question about it. Uh, he reminds me an awful lot of Ted Simmons. 
And I think catching skills are even better than Ted Simmons. So you've got a switch hitting catcher that's a leader. And when he came up on May 21st, he just turned the team around. And if you have a catcher, and, and when you think about this, everybody in the ballpark is focused on the catcher on every pitch because that's where the ball is headed, that's where the batter is. And the catcher can really energize the team with his body language and how he does things. And I really like the way that Rutschman goes to the pitcher at the end of an inning and puts his arm around him and talks mm-hmm. about that last inning. Just gives you so much confidence that he has that pitcher's best interest in mind before he ever thinks about himself as a hitter. And that's what you want from your catcher. I think they have a real gem. You know, uh, Matt Wieters was the same type of player, and I think that Abby Rutschman is going to be even a little bit more impactful than uh, Matt Wieters was in Baltimore. Wow. Wow. And I, if I could, I wanted to follow up on Brandon Hyde, too, because you brought him up. And again, you know a thing or two about managing. Yeah. Um, I, I, how much credit? I, look, obviously, there's there's talent here, right? Like, the, as you point out, Adley shows up, Gunner shows up. There are things that have changed about the roster itself. But how much of this do you think Brandon Hyde deserves credit for and what's happened and what is statistically one of the great turnarounds in baseball history? Yeah, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit because the first three years, you know, he had to be marvelously patient because uh, they were getting their brains beat out. They lost 110 games last year. And you know what? And knowing Brandon, he's, he's upbeat. He's uh, encouraging. He's uh, relatively young guy at 48. And I think he can relate to all of this, you know. He didn't have a career as a major league player, but he's been coaching since he was 30 years old. So he's been uh, in coaching uh, for a long time. He understands every different level of player because he was a bench coach in Chicago with the Cubs. He was a first base coach. So he has all of the different perspectives that you want. And of course, what I think is most important, he was a catcher. And a catcher has a different perspective on the game than anybody else because they're the only people on the field that see everything in front of them. Everything that's going on in the field is in front of the catcher, and I think that's why we've seen so many catchers over the years being good managers. But I I respect Brandon. I think he's uh, the perfect guy for this team, and obviously to get the results that he has this year is pretty remarkable. Like you say, this is a historic turnaround from last year to this year. Hey, Buck, I just want to – I've got one more question, and I want to travel out to St. Louis, Missouri. What's going on out there with the finish that Albert Pujols is having to his career, his regular season career, and and the event that took place the other day with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina celebrating their 325th start together as battery mates. Could you talk about both of those things? Well, first of all, uh, you know, Albert Pujols is uh, you know, he's 42 years old, yeah. and he's putting up some pretty impressive numbers. And, and I think it is so fitting that he's back in St. Louis yeah. after he spent 11 years there, and now he's back with the Cardinals, and, and they're going to the postseason. And, you know, and to, to have 697 home runs and hit 18 this year, after he had a real bad run out there with the Angels, I just think it's marvelous what he's done. He's healthy, obviously. He had a lot of issues with his feet in L.A. with the Angels, and now he's healthy. He has embraced the opportunity to come back to the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, he was the best player in the world for that 11-year span when he first came up back in 2001. But um, he has been impressive. And the other aspect of it is, is unbelievable in this era of free agency. 
because Bill Freehand and uh, Mickey, who yeah, Mickey Lolich, I guess, was yeah. the guy that pitched pitched the most so with the with the Bill Freehand. So there was no free agency then, so those guys had to stay together. Yeah, there's been free agency since Wainwright and Molina have been involved, and they chose to stay in St. Louis, and they've broken the record now, and it's pretty unbelievable that they've been able to do this, and obviously. Uh, you know, at their advanced age as well, it's pretty impressive that not only are they doing it together, but they're winning and yeah. they're going to the postseason. Great stuff. He is the great Buck Martinez. Buck, uh, so happy that you're back. So happy that you're doing well. May uh, may health uh, continue for you for uh, the remainder of your days, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning, and I uh, look I, forward to doing I it again. I appreciate it. Thanks, we Buck. We look forward to seeing you in Baltimore at the end of the year. No yeah, doubt. we'll see you. Should be a big week, no doubt. Buck Martinez, uh, Blue Jays play-by-play voice, obviously, uh, formerly an Orioles broadcaster, um, and uh, great to hear him as uh, he has been through a lot, obviously, this season, but glad that he is back and uh, set up for some big games down the, uh, the stretch of the year. Sam the Fan Charles is in studio with us as we wind down our number one of today's program. Today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Bo Smolka is going to join us here in a bit. Stan the Fan, before we do that, I got a couple of questions for you that we're going to dive into on the other side. All right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready, willing, and able. Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co hosts, Glenn and Rita. Where's Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at Pressbox online.com/bowser. The next Tyus Bowser show is Tuesday, September 20th at Skipjack's Crab Deck in Middle River. It's brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Grill and Maryland Vascular Specialists. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State. And we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. The Maryland Lottery presents Raven's Greatest Plays. 2001, the big one. New York had just scored, and momentum was on their side when the Ravens returned the ensuing kickoff 84 yards for the touchdown that cemented their first world championship. Another great Ravens play belongs to Beth of Riverdale. Beth played Ravens scratch-offs and won a chance to travel with the team to an away game. You could be next. Play Ravens scratch-offs with instant prizes up to $100,000, and please play responsibly. If you can't listen or watch live, you can subscribe to the show via Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Or, if lying isn't your thing, we'll take a three-and-a-half-star review, too. Yeah, that's just as good. Just as good. Helps out just as much. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio. Stan, can I ask you a favor? Yeah. There's a. Do you see that Oktoberfest menu for Glory Days Grill that's sitting right over there? They dropped it off the other day. I don't know if you're... I. I Okay, Stan's good. All right, all right. Look at that! Look at that right there. We had uh, get that elasticity. We had. Is that because you dropped the or you put those eighteen pounds of muscle on? <laughs> um, we had a great day yesterday because our friends at Glory Days Grill just wandered over and said, "Hey, you want to try the Oktoberfest menu?" And we said, "We sure do." And, and what time are they coming today? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Stan. I'm, I'm so. Well, I mean, in failure. Yeah. You mean they never come on Fridays? They're too busy. Well, actually, they were Friday. supposed to be here on Wednesday. <laughs> they were supposed to be here Wednesday, but they missed out, and so they came by yesterday. Um, they have. We, we tried everything, by the way, on the Oktoberfest menu. My God. Uh, I actually went back out at one point and just picked off onions from the <laughs> sausage platter plate because the caramelized onions were that good. The Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, German-style sausage braised in beer and tossed with sautéed onions, served with creamy mashed potatoes, stone ground mustard, warm sauerkraut, and a Bavarian soft pretzel stick. Wow. Yeah. And it's even better than it sounds. Then there's the Brewer's Sausage Sandwich, where you throw the sausage with the, uh, the peppers and onions on top. The Bavarian you are, Burger. You know, you're a real foodie. I am. This I is, mean, you this are is like my love language, Stan, really, is what this is. The Bavarian burger with the pretzel bun, and, and you guys know I don't eat bread any longer, but I decided to have a bite with the bun. It melts in your mouth. That bun is so good. Uh, they also are doing, this was really cool, the cheddar ale soup, which you can eat on your on its own or maybe dip the pretzels into the cheddar ale soup plus the chicken schnitzel and so much more. Um we had a feast. We had a bounty yesterday. Glory Days. Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website to get your order in. Good place yeah. to watch games, too. Great place to hang out and watch Saturday, games. Saturday, college yep. games. 100%. Um, Stan the Fan, we had, a bu- questions we had a busy week last Friday. We had a lot of guests. I had to pre-record things. I had to get out of here. Yeah. Um, it was right around that that Major League Baseball had made some sweeping announcements and some of the things that we had thought were coming, they made official that are coming moving forward starting in 2023, including banning defensive shifts. It's no longer a debate. It's official. It's happening. 
there's a twofold question. What do you think of the rules changes? And also, what do you think of the way they went about implementing the rules changes where they kind of did it unilaterally? Well, the commissioner, that was part of the basic agreement that the commissioner could <clears throat> could do these things. Uh, they've, they've attempted to bring the players into the committee that makes those rules. They clearly have the majority... Uh, the owners and management have the majority of the votes, um, but but I think that was part of the reason they wanted to do it this far in front, so there are no surprises. Because I found the timing of announcing it like right after Labor Day mm-hmm. kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. It seemed like that's what you would hear more of around, around the All Star winter. Break. Well, oh, okay. no, oh, winter you said wait a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, but I think they wanted to get it out in the way, get it open, uh, you know, out in the open, and be uh, proactive in letting the public know that these changes are coming. I I really applaud the uh, the anti shift thing. Okay. You know, in other words, I I think it took so much action out of baseball. It's like kind of sucking the air out of the room, you know. Um, and I think it really did for left-handed hitters. I think that, for example, Chris Davis, I'm pretty vocal about this, that I think that single-handedly destroyed his career. I think he mentally wasn't strong enough to understand what was happening to him and that he was going to suffer with terrible batting averages uh, because of the shifts. But he was, uh, you know, he was presented with very little opportunity. It was home run or bust, and I think he was frozen for so many, you know, at-bats where we go, why didn't he swing? I don't think he knew what to do. I am, you know, it's, it's two different kinds. I think there was a lot going on with Chris Davis, and, you know, I, I again, as much as I appreciate what he did for the community and all that, I still were bothered by the comments that he made, you know, the SI that one year where he essentially tried to create himself as some sort of religious martyr that, like, I have to be in the lineup out there because – People need to see that my my faith is strong, but start despite my struggles. It just well, look, it really did look, rub me it, the wrong it, way. It, it, his head was all turned around. Yeah, I mean, he would go one year. He'd go, I need. To, I lost twenty eight pounds right. because I felt I needed to be, you know, more spry and all. Then the next year is, uh, I felt weak all last year. I mean, those were things where he wasn't putting in the real work at figuring out what he needed to do as a hitter. But, you know, I go back to the day, uh, this is about three years ago, uh I'm listening to a preseason game, and our friend Andy Freed and Dave Toms Mm -hmm. uh, that do the Tampa Bay games, and they were talking about- Towson alum, Andy Freed. Yep. They were talking, also a former intern of Stan the Fan. I did not know that part. I never knew that. Um, But they were talking about the fact that left-handed hitters, the average left-handed hitter in baseball- the first year Joe Madden managed the Tampa Bay Rays were hit like collectively like 268. And last year, and again, this was three or four years ago, so it was three or four years before, you know, ago, that the average left-handed hitter was down to 233. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing drop-off oh, of action mm-hmm. in the game. And so I think- this. Yeah. The, what you're alluding to um, is is one of the things that I've struggled with with this because it is frustrating to me that the reason why we're doing this is because batters never adjusted, right? Right. Like it's it, it comes off as a bailout 
to stubborn baseball players is the way that it's that there is a response to this that's you've got to change the rules because guys couldn't figure out that hey you can swing to the opposite field or they're unwilling to lay down a bunt or whatever it is but as we've talked about the bunting thing was never going to change anything. Teams, you could you could send mm-hmm. that batter up to the plate, have them bunt for a base hit every time, and teams would, and been teams happy that would they just say, yeah, Chris you, know they, you know what they didn't do? They Bryce didn't. Harper bunting. Yeah. Exactly right. We will take that every freaking time. So it's not going to change You know how this is going to line up. So I, I get the frustration that it feels like you're bailing out players. But I've always come back to the idea that like when the game was invented – the idea of the sport of baseball was that you had players standing in certain positions on the field. That was the concept of how the game was created, was see if you can hit them where they ain't, right? And it wasn't to have everybody standing on one side of the field and nobody standing on the other side of the field. The idea was we are going to make positions where players are supposed to be. Now, the game evolved, and certainly we learned more, and it made more sense to line players up Based on what hitters could do. Well, the first but, player, the first player they really did this with was Ted Williams. He sure, was such an incredible hitter. One hundred percent. That teams develop kind of shifts. But again, around. when the game was invented, nobody knew what kind of data we were going to yeah. have, what kind of access we were going to have yeah. for somebody to hold a card in the outfield and figure out, you know, based on who was up at the plate and where they should be. I do think the concept of the game of baseball was someone standing at third base, someone standing at short, someone standing at second base, someone standing at first base. I think that was how baseball was intended to be played when the game was invented. So it's hard for me to get worked up about the idea of going back. I do think inherently this is baseball. Baseball is supposed to be guys standing in certain places on the field, which we all know they're still going to get away with everything they can get away with right up to you know lining somebody up that you have to be on the 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 left side of the infield okay they're going to stand an inch to or i guess if i'm facing home plate right. you're going to stand an inch to the right side of second base in order to meet the qualifications of not being in a shift mm-hmm. but you're still going to be shifted like it's not like everybody's still going to be lined up at the exact spot on the field where we traditionally remember those players playing so I have struggled. I am. I, this has been a difficult one for me, Stan. Mm-hmm. Really has been tough to fathom bailing out guys that never adjusted. I really did well, think. Well, just remember when you when you th- throw it out like that that the hitters didn't adjust. the The game of baseball, the last probably thirty years, but really intensely the last fifteen years, you are oftentimes facing four or five pitchers in a game, whereas in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you faced one or two pitchers per game. So you're constantly batting against somebody that can bring it 97, 98, Baker, for mm-hmm. example, marginal pitcher, you know, now brings it at 99, 100 miles an hour. It's incredibly hard to adjust to hitting it the other way when you're when you're constantly batting I understand. against a new guy every inning. I understand that. So uh, the pitch clock. Yeah, I am. I'm in a place where I like it in theory. I don't think we're gonna like it when there's actually a strike or a ball called in a big. Like I, I can't imagine being in a big spot late in the game and actually altering the course of an at bat by calling 
a pitch clock yeah. violation that gives a striker a ball one way or the other. Like that's the, again in theory, love the idea. Let's keep the game moving along. Right. All of those things. But you're telling me in the ninth inning of a game with all of the intensity on the line in a one-two count, you're gonna call a strike on a batter because they're not standing in the box at eight seconds exactly on the clock. Mm-hmm. I, I I hope the answer is the umpires are going to say no. We're not really going to do that. Well, but, it's like an area where the speed limit, like now in '83, the speed limit is 50 miles an hour, mm-hmm. right? And they got cameras mm-hmm. zooming for. I'm told that if you're driving 55 or 56, you're, they're not going to. They're not flagging that. Right. They're looking for the guy who's driving 66 miles an hour. You know, 16, 18 miles an hour. You know. So I'm I'm in agreement with you. I don't think it'll get called often. And remember, the pitcher has the ability to avoid the thing by st- stepping off the mm-hmm. rubber, resets it for 10 seconds. I'm not that. I'm not that perplexed or apoplectic about that the one that's got me is now they're going to enlarge the bases Mm -hmm. and then they're also going to limit how many times i can throw over to first base Mm -hmm. so you're making it now again i they want they they want want more more stolen stolen bases bases. and this goes back to what i've liked about watching baseball this season and why i i I like action i like everybody likes action and i you know, it's the same way that I feel about the extra inning rule that, like, I get is forced and is fake, but has baseball, it creates, it creates baseball became a sport of home runs and strikeouts. Yep. And, and not much else. And what do we do in order to change this sport from being just home runs and strikeouts to something that's more reminiscent of well, what, what I fell in love with about the game of baseball? I think that's the beauty of somebody like Theo Epstein, who who was on the other side of this. He was trying to clobber you and was helping to devise these things and listen to Bill James and the analytics that took over the game. Now he it's kind of like the uh, the movie of um, with Leonardo DiCaprio, the guy that was a con artist. Oh, Catch Me If Can, one of the, gra- the greatest motion picture of all time. Who, who now the helps. great Frank Abagnale. Right. Frank, Frank Abagnale then helps the FBI mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. catch criminals. You got Theo Epstein saying this is where we, you know, and not just Theo. There's some smart minds in that room saying, "Hey, we went too far this way. We got to bring some more action back." I think the bases being larger is a brilliant thing for both safety mm-hmm. and action and action. Yeah, you're getting you're you're an inch or two yeah. closer to a stolen base. And every I love time. the fact that we have Cedric Mullins and and Jorge, Jorge Mateo, Mateo, right? And they wear those giant uh, baking mitts where they're yeah. two inches closer to begin with. Everybody's, <laughs> I mean, like you've added two inches to the, the extension and you've added two inches closer to yeah. to to be able to get the stolen base. It a hundred percent helps. Are we going to add a couple inches in an hour? We so? might need to. We might need to talk to our photographer and see if he could Put help us out. In on. that department, uh, I'd like to take a break if we could, only because we're in the we got to get four breaks in now. Uh, Bo Smolka, Pressbox Ravens beat writer, is going to join us next. Today's show is also brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. Stan was just talking about it a little bit earlier on. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars. Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Bo Smolka joins us next. Glenn Clark Radio. 
Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone from novices to grill masters to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. Constructed out of thick ceramic, the Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at GinsuGrills.com. That's GinsuGrills.com. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. That first sip, that first bite, mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try the fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or the scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for the daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. That's glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sport. The Maryland Lottery presents Ravens Greatest Plays. It was called the Mile High Miracle, a 70-yard touchdown pass against Denver with 30 seconds left to send the game into overtime. The Ravens eventually won, propelling them to the championship. Another great Ravens play belongs to Diane from Annapolis. Diane played Ravens scratch-offs and won season tickets for 20 years. You could be next. Play Ravens scratch-offs with instant prizes up to $100,000. And please play responsibly. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. Tune in to Simply the Bets every Tuesday and weekend at Bookies every other Thursday at 11.40 a.m. And if you really have nothing better to do, keep listening to this show too. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Stan the Fan Charles is in studio with us and joining us now here on GCR, the man who authored our cover story for this month's print issue of Press Box. Larger than life, all about Mark Andrews. You can get that print issue right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. He is our Ravens beat writer. He's Bo Smolka, and he is with us now. Bo, good a- or good morning, sir. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good morning to you. Um, I guess let me start with um, how we tracking as far as who may or may not play on Sunday. 
Well, it looks to me, I think you got to be encouraged with J.K. Dobbins that will be out there, given that he practiced fully this week for the first time. He was full Wednesday, he was full Thursday, and if he's full again today, I can't imagine that he won't be out there. I think the more concerning thing is what's the deal with this uh, secondary group, because mm-hmm. Marlon Humphrey was added to the injury list yesterday with a groin injury. This comes after they lost Kyle Fuller for the season. Brandon Stevens didn't practice yesterday with an injury, a quad injury, and I saw him go off early Wednesday and then come back and talk to a trainer. But if, if well, we know Fuller is out. Marlon Peter, or Marcus Peters practiced fully yesterday for the first time, so that seems to trend toward him playing, but it looks like Marlon Humphrey won't be 100%. It looks like Brandon Stevens may or may not be there at all. Marcus Peters... I don't know what what percentage he'll be at, but I gotta think he's not at a hundred percent. But and 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 it's it's already starting to feel like this cornerback group is having depth issues, at least early. Um, not that these are like season enders, other than Kyle Fuller, but I think these injuries bear watching a lot with the with the uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and this Miami offense coming to town. So those to me are very troubling. I don't think we'll see Ronnie Stanley. Um, he had another practice that he missed yesterday. Uh, and I also looks like we might not see Patrick Ricard, who hasn't practiced all week, and that would be a significant blow to their running game. So week two, there are already some injury issues, but I think this secondary group is the biggest concern. Yeah, yeah again, as you point out, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle on the other side, it is an awful lot to ask if if you're missing those top guys. Bo, Bo have you have you found – I finally got it right by saying Bo. <laughs> I started to call Buck Martinez Bo. Uh, do you see any optimism at all in the Ronnie Stanley situation? Is there light at the end of the tunnel or it's just a, a, a muddled mess sort of? <laughs> that's a funny word for it, but I don't know. I mean, optimism, I don't know if you have optimism. I, I mean, I don't know what to think. I, I mm. you know, I, I, they, they said they would play it cautiously. Yep. Um, he was cleared physically now three weeks ago, I believe it is. And he's been out there maybe a day a week. He's limited. Yesterday he didn't practice last week. It was limited that he didn't practice. It seems like a very slow ramp up period for him. Um, and of course now it's compounded by the fact that they already lost Juwan James for the season. So it looks like Patrick McCary will be starting at left tackle tomorrow, which would be really their third, their third choice to be the starting left tackle. Um, but the Stanley situation, you know, I know they want him out there and it seems like very cautious, but I think at some point, at some point it's going to kind of change from caution to frustration if they can't get him out here soon yeah i think it's fair um bo what did you make of the ravens inability to get going in the run game in week one are you willing to sort of be dismissive of it and say hey there's a you know there's rust and then you, you throw in the fact that your running backs aren't back yet no ronnie stanley it's no big deal or is it something that you're kind of monitoring for a team that we thought coming into the year was going to try to get back to being a dominant rushing team. I think you have to be a little bit concerned. Now, they didn't have J.K. Dobbins. The, the, what, you, you like to think that what they thought was bringing in Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis was going to be a little upgrade from Latavius Murray and uh, Devontae Freeman, but it, it kind of looked the same Yeah. Um, in, in week one. And, now, and John Harbaugh will say, well, the – the Jets packed the box to try to stop the run. Lamar Jackson really showed no interest in trying to run himself, and that also um, f- 
factors in what the run game looks like. He just didn't look like he was interested in running all that much, just a couple designed runs. But then if you can pop a deep one like he did to Bateman, and that was later, but if he had popped that deep one to Bateman earlier, maybe they can't, they can't do that with the run. But the, the running back group right now just felt a lot like the running back group last year um, at first. Now, you're right. They hadn't, also, they hadn't played much in the preseason, and that might have also been a factor. And, yeah, you're missing Ronnie Stanley. But um, I think there's reason to be concerned. Dobbins, if, we, if Dobbins indeed comes back this week, you sure hope to see a little more from the running game with him because that's kind of what you're banking on. So, but, again, what, what his workload will be in his first game back in a year that would remain to be seen, but I think it's fair to have a level of concern, recognizing also that not all the pieces they want there were there, and they think that once they do get them there, they will be better. And I also think that it, you know, it may come down to Lamar Jackson doing more of the running, which they may or may want him to do or he may not want to do, but he is a big part of this running game. Whether I mean, there's just no way around that. Can can we follow up on that, Bo? I you know I, it was very clear yeah. he wanted to stay in the pocket in week one. Uh, I know our buddy Brian Baldinger you know did a nice breakdown of that, like, and it led to some great throws. Um, but there were times where it looked like running lanes were there and he didn't take them. What what do you make of that? And what's going on with Lamar? And obviously we know there's the subplot there of the contract situation that he no longer wants to talk about, but. Um, you know, I, I I don't understand why you would ever not want to have Lamar Jackson run. He's extraordinarily good at it. Uh, what did you make of that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know. I think the second or third play of the game, he kept on a on an RPO and and he got hit pretty hard. Uh, and I don't know. I don't think that was any factor in the other game, but he did. He just looked more content to get stay in there and throw the ball. Um, and and maybe that what maybe they read into it that the Jets have so many people up there. They're they're trying to stop the run, and, and they were going to counter that by by not trying to run. Um, I I feel like there were a couple games like that last year, early in the season, where we all sat around and said, wow, look, look, Jamar Jackson's trying to prove he's a pocket passer. He's trying to prove he's a pocket passer. Look, he could have run, and he didn't. Um, I think maybe it comes back to some feel of the game. I'm not overthinking what – I certainly don't think – someone had suggested all he's thinking about his contract in those situations. I can't even fathom that that's the case. But, you know, whether it's in the back of his mind, I don't know. But I just think it was – to me, I just think it was more of a feel of the game type thing. I think – you know, and then what happens is there are games when there are situations like that one play where the play broke down and he scrambles out and he, I mean, he escaped miraculously ends up getting a first down, which is just so vintage Lamar Jackson. And I know people are saying, well, that's what can happen anytime he starts to run. Um, I, I just don't think it was part of the plan for him to run. I don't know that there's some mandate that says this year he's not going to run that much. I, I think it w- it'll be a game to game situation. And if they need it, he'll do it. Um, and I just think also there was just, you know, like I said, they hadn't played. Lamar Jackson hadn't played since December. Yep. So I think there was also some getting worked up to speed going on with him. Bo, uh, with so much movement around the offensive line, I know you haven't had a great deal of time to, to look at rookie center Tyler Linderbaum, but you have seen him play against the commanders a little bit, I think, uh, and, and in this game. How is he handling the speed of the game? right now i think he's handling it okay he had, he had a couple of plays earlier in that game where it looked like he got kind of pushed around i think mm-hmm. on the one play jackson had a third down pass that got deflected and batted down basically because Litterbaum got run over um and that's a good defensive front from the jets their defensive line is pretty strong so that was one you know i think that might have been like a welcome to the nfl moment for him 
But I think he's holding up pretty well, and I, th- I you know, they obviously love what they see in him. Um, the other offensive linemen, when you talk to them, they like the way he moves and his instincts, the way he, the way he commands the line like a center's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, physically, can he hold up? Will he deal with the speed? Probably. But he, I think he got a little bit uh, shell-shocked early in that game on a couple plays. But, um, you know, I, I'm, I have no reservations about him. But, it, you know, like everyone else, that's his first NFL game. Yeah, correct. And you know, I'm not going to overread into it. And again, as you dealt, you dealt with the injury. He also, and, also yeah. had to deal with that injury. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Bo, you wrote about it this week at PressBoxOnline.com. Obviously, the there's the whole thing of what happened a year ago between these teams, and and how it kind of started to unravel the Ravens' season um, as the Dolphins presented these cover zero looks, and Lamar Jackson was, to say the least, flustered by them and failed to execute and struggled and you know the question becomes is that what we see from the Dolphins do they try to play chess and uh, and assume that um you know you think this is what we're going to do so we're going to show you that but then do something different and and we know how that's what you know that's the way that football works what do you make of what happened a year ago and the impact it could have on this football game on Sunday I found it fascinating. Lamar Jackson flat out told us on Wednesday they were just caught off guard. And it looked like it. It looked like they were not prepared. It looked like they were outcoached on both sides of the ball. Uh, it was a Thursday night road game. Not much time to prepare and, and not to make excuses. But they just they, they were just outcoached and they weren't ready for it. Yep. And, and remember, that Dolphins team was ranked 30th in the league in pass defense coming into that game. Um, I'm not sure the Ravens looked past them, but they were an eight point favorite on the road and they just got, they got gobsmacked by them. There's no other way around it. The other thing about the dolphins that struck me in that game and watching again was the dolphins were just so physical. They tackled really well. Uh, and I remember thinking back, there were a couple of plays like a wide receiver screen to Marquise Brown. That should be a pretty high percentage play. Just a quick one step back, catches the ball. He's got a couple guys in front of him. And the, the blocks blew up, and they, they, hammered, they hammered Marquise Brown. Devin DuVernay on a jet sweep gets hammered. They were just hitting everybody. And, and the Ravens, they were, just, they were just, the Dolphins were way more physical on both sides of the ball. But it was still, it was still a 6-3 to three game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and then look, Sammy Watkins fumbles, because mm-hmm. the Ravens' defense was holding them in check, too. And then Sammy Watkins fumbles, they return it for a touchdown, and, that, and then at that point it became 16-3. to three. But the other thing is, you remember in that game, there was a play very early when Jackson threw a deep pass to Sammy Watkins. It looked like it might be a touchdown. And I think Sammy Watkins either failed to pick up the ball in the lights or he thought he was at the back of the oh, end that's zone or right. something yeah. weird happened. Just kind of yeah. gave up on and it. And Watkins yeah. didn't offer. He gave up on the ball that ended up landing like at the back of the end zone. And it looked like a ball that could have been caught for a touchdown. And if that play is made, and then you wonder, well, does that change how aggressive the Dolphins can play defensively? Or what happens there? But and then Tucker missed a field goal. Everything about that game yeah. was just out of sync for the Ravens. But more than anything, it just like the Dolphins were more physical. And I think the Ravens, for whatever reason, were not prepared for that. So this year, I think they will be prepared to be much more physical, and they know they need to be. And so, but that that when I think back to that game, that's what struck me. You know, it's interesting about that. If I'm not mistaken, the Ravens uh, in your piece, Ravens were six and two. Dolphins were two and six at the time, kind of, and the teams went the exact they were two opposite. And seven. Two Dolphins, and seven. They Dolphins went the ex- two and seven. They went the exact opposite way. Both teams the rest of the season. 
Yeah, they did, and you know, people say, "Wait, the Ravens won the next two, and they did." But I'm telling you, it just and and Jackson got hurt, and that, yep. and he got missed the one game he's sick. But everything about the rhythm of the team felt off after that Dolphins. Well, they game. won the, I don't know. It's kind the, of been. They won the game against Cleveland after that. It was maybe Lamar Jackson's worst game as a pro. Like it, it was a win, but it was yeah, it, atrocious. It was just nothing. Nothing felt right after that, and it yeah. felt like they were just searching after that game. Like, where do we go from here? So. I, I do. I think it really derailed their season. And, and I know Jackson got hurt and Humphrey got hurt at Pittsburgh and other guys got hurt more adding to the other injuries. But still, uh, that game on that Thursday night, I do. I think it really just it just changed the tenor. That's what I wrote. It changed the tenor of the season when you watch them. The word you use, gobsmacked, it's like they got double gobsmacked. It was not only just that game. They just weren't the same team afterwards. Bo, before, totally, totally agree. Before we let you go, the the Ravens made one roster move, right? They elevated Stephen Means to the fifty three man roster. I, they do still have one more roster move they need to make, correct? They have an open roster spot. That's correct. Um, is do we assume? I mean, that's... I don't know if they'll bring in Carry, Carry, the cornerback. So they they added TJ Carry to the to the practice squad. I mean, you know, so you have fifty two on the team. You can make two practice squad elevations. In the end, it'll it'll come down to how many inactives they have on game day. I think I think they're going to have to elevate at least one cornerback for this mm-hmm. game. Uh, you can elevate two guys from the practice squad, but I I think with the injury situation at cornerback, I think they'll have to elevate a a cornerback. Maybe whether that's Carey who just joined the team, whether it's Ardarius Washington who's on the practice squad, or Daryl Worley, uh, someone. I think they're going to have to elevate a cornerback. Uh, as one of the two, they last year they went a while with. They had sometimes fifty-one or fifty-two on the on the on the active roster. In point of fact, once you have so many guys on the practice squad and you can elevate a couple, it, it always comes down to how many game day inactives you have. So they'll still keep trying out players, but the fact that they don't have fifty-three on the fifty-three is to me not the issue. It's who are you bringing up for this game, and then how many inactives you'll have. But I think with the cornerback issue, I think they're going to have to. Uh, elevate at least one cornerback for this game. And then my last one, just to follow up, because I, I know you, you know, respond to the column that I wrote this week at PressBoxOnline.com. I know Lamar, you know, said the other day, I'm done talking about it, but I, can they make this go away? Like, it feels like it's a pretty significant thing that's going to linger over this team. And as long as, you know, Lamar handles his business on Sundays, may, I don't know, Bo, maybe they can. Maybe this is something that just kind of disappears, but there's an awful lot of whispering and maybe the Players Association leaking things and, you know, who knows if somebody else's deal gets done during the year and that makes the conversation less. Like, can this really just go away between now and the end of the season? I I don't think it'll go away. I mean, Lamar Jackson was very diplomatic and, you know, he said, look, I'm not done talking about it. That's totally fine. He can be done talking about it. It seemed to be like the thing like, hey, guys, Let's just no more questions about this, okay? Which is totally fine. He's have every right to to say that and look, say we're not going to talk about the contract anymore. But here's the truth: if he has a great game, all the talking heads nationally go talk about how much more money he's making by having great games. <laughs> if he has a bad game, or heaven forbid he gets hurt, yeah. all the talk is going to be at how much this is costing Jackson. It's going to be a week to week discussion. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He doesn't want to talk about it, and that's his right. The team doesn't want to talk about it, which they've made clear. But people are going to talk about it. It's yeah, yeah. No, To answer your question, it is not going to go away. Bo, I got one quick question about it, and then we'll, we'll, of course, let you go. But would there have been something, or could they even still do it, 
if if Jackson, God forbid, got a major injury, he's sort of SOL, you know, shit out of luck. Uh, could the club have unilaterally taken out some type of insurance policy that might have made Lamar say, hey, they're doing something for me? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, I don't know enough about how a lot of those insurance policies work. It's a good question because I, know, I mean, you're talking about a lot of money. Um, I'm, but, to, I'm told. Know, that, I, I'm told it wouldn't like to have protected him, say, for a hundred million dollars. It might have cost ten million dollars to do that, but boy, the goodwill you would have gotten from the player. Uh, to me, it's an interesting topic, um, and and one that might make for an interesting article at some point during the season. Yeah, it's a it's a very interesting topic. And to your point, here we are, right? But during the season, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about the contract. <laughs> right, right. Because the talk is the talk is not going to go away, I yeah. promise you. At B Smolka on Twitter is how you follow him. Pressboxonline.com is where you see all of his stuff. Bo, great piece recap in the last year's debacle in Miami. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right. All right, thank you. Bo Smolka. All right, check, thanks. Take yep, care. Checking in with us here on GCR. Sam, did you watch uh, any of last night's game on Amazon? No, I was watching some stuff, uh, political stuff, uh, and went to turn on my TV in the den, mm -hmm. which somehow isn't set up for Amazon Prime. You don't have the hot. So, uh, the I mean, I've, I know I've watched Amazon Prime in there, mm -hmm. but it must have gotten a reset or something. So I didn't take the trip back to my office in, order to go. in the house, you know, because I got so many well, and square I, feet. Right, right. You know, I've got the palatial estate. I was at a bar last night where I did not know this. Apparently, DirecTV did a deal with bars that they created a channel on DirecTV just for bars. To pick up to the pick Amazon, up the Prime Amazon broadcast to run through. It would make a sense TV that bars channel. would have it. Yeah. So. I did not because I all I saw was complaint and complaint and complaint and complaint about the Griffin. Did you watch, I watch it, on? it? Yeah, I actually enjoyed it. I liked the setup. I liked. But the whole I mean, broadcast. the actual like I, people were what, talking like about finding it and no buffering. Oh. People were talking about I, it it lagging behind. Like that, that they were seeing on Twitter what had happened in the game before the broadcast got there. I did not find any issues with it, okay. and I was, and I watched a majority of it on my phone too. So like, so I would have thought I would have, and I was like, you know, because I would like close the app, you know, text somebody, and then open it back up, and I still really had okay. no issues. I, I felt and I heard I, one of the biggest. I, I was very, I thought it was very pleasant. I thought, I thought, I've heard that one of the biggest complaints is there's a lot of people like fifty plus mm -hmm. or sixty plus that are looking all over their their guide right as if it's a cable yep. channel yep amazon prime not knowing it's a third party thing that you have to get well to. and, and as, as i've talked about before for me i live on a farm i live in a rural area we don't have internet it I, I know that this is very difficult for people that don't live in these circumstances to understand but it's a real thing and it's something that like different are you going to be affected seriously by the infrastructure thing will there be more we're hoping yeah. we're hoping but you know the, the the governor tried to do something a couple years ago that never changed anything i mean like it's it's something that is pitched as red meat to a very certain the, the, those of us that right. deal with it but yet continues to not not get, get anything done, done. Yeah. because it's not really 
Like the government has to compel the businesses right to, to invest the money a hundred percent in order to do it. Yeah. It's a different conversation. But the point is, for me, I'm not going to have the option to watch Thursday Night Football on my television. I don't. I can't turn on a smart TV because I don't have the ability. I can't from my hotspot run smart TV and stream games on Amazon. Now I can certainly pull it up on my iPad and that's what I'll do for Thursday night games this year. And that'll suck. But you know, again, that's a first world problem that I'm dealing with. It's just interesting to me as I was watching on Twitter, there were an awful lot of, and and I, I'll tell you, I did see like late in the game, I got a fantasy alert about the fourth down touchdown that Justin Herbert threw at the end of the game that was definitely before I had watched it, as at that point I was at home and I was watching on my phone as well. Before I had seen it on my phone, I got the fantasy alert about the touchdown. Oh, my um, goodness. So that was, huh. that was a little bit frustrating about this thing. I, look, man. Now, is, is Al Michaels is the lead announcer? Yeah, Al Michaels and, and Chris Collins. Kirk, or, sorry, Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk Herbstreet. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, Kirk Herbstreet are the broadcast crew. Yeah. I, the other th- I actually thought they didn't. Again. Yeah, I thought they did. I didn't think they had a great game at the end. I don't think they did well enough to explain the stakes of hey, they only have one. They didn't they didn't bring up the one timeout thing until after they had scored the touchdown. So they're calling this high intensity moment when the truth is it was kind of goofy at that point because the only way that that the Chargers could get back into the game was by recovering an onside yeah. kick. They didn't do a good job of explaining, hey, they've got to score within this amount of time in order to have a chance at getting the ball back without having to recover an onside kick. I thought that was a failure at the end of the game. I do get that they were kind of obsessed with Justin Herbert's injury because that was the the big storyline as the game was unfolding. Dude, that when he just dropped the ball on the last drive of yeah. the game, Ugh. I I thought he was I thought, dude, this guy's done and then of course, you <laughs> know, two plays later he throws a bomb down the field like Yeah. I, I don't know, I thought, man. The second time he went down, I thought like I thought like my stream looped or something because right. when he, when he <laughs> right. went down, I, he looked the exact same. Um, <laughs> they said after the game they didn't make him available. That you know, Staley said he thought he was fine. Obviously, other stories from last night were Staley all of a sudden being conservative in the first half and not going for it on fourth down despite He's being been criticized for being overly. Uh, well, he was so aggressive a year yeah, ago, yeah. and now that did he did he over adjust to that and was he right. too conservative last night? It was a big storyline. Um, you know, as long as Justin Herbert's okay, as long as, you know, he can play and not be terribly impacted by this, the Chargers are probably going to be fine. And it was always going to be a lot to ask to go win a game in Kansas City on a short week. They played well. They without just, Keenan Allen. Correct, without Keenan Allen. Now Mike Williams balled yeah. out in the first half last Got him on my team. That's, that's good news for you. Good news for you. All right. Uh, hey, how did uh, uh, the G spot do last week? Uh, we went four and two in lose ball. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a yeah. solid start. One and one in the primetime night games. Okay. okay. We'll, we'll hope for I'm better and better. T- I'm zero and two in the prime night games. Yes. Yeah, so I went take three that. and five. You picked the Cowboys. Yeah, I love the Cowboys in that game. Oof. Oof. You like yeah. them this week? Oof. No. Yeah. yeah. Neither do I. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay, so I don't the last like thing- the Cowboys ever again. <laughs> That I liked about the Amazon thing. So I was watching it on my phone. It has like a like a play log of every single play, and then like the next gen stats. It has like the route tree for every single play that you could like look at. That's too much for me on a phone. That's, yeah, it's too small yeah. a screen. I mean, I like. I thought it was pretty it. cool. I didn't. I mean, I didn't utilize it that much, but when I noticed it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Look, I I am <laughs> I understand that this is the direction we're moving. I still I don't think the general population understands how many people are in my shoes. Right. I, I think there is this assumption of. 
This Everybody is, has it. This is just the way the world works now. And for probably 80 to 85% of the population... Which lives in big cities. And maybe it's not even that much. Maybe it's more like 70% of the population. That's true. There are an awful lot of us. And you don't know it until you're there. Because people would say, yeah, you live in, a, I guess, a rural area. But it's, it's fairly suburban where I live. Right. It's not... I, I'm not... I'm, I'm 10 minutes away from Hunt Valley. Like, I'm not that far away. You're not in Siberia. No. And yet, there is no internet available. Hopefully, the stupid Elon Musk thing will change that at some point. So, in the are you going to be able to watch the Orioles game tonight then? I guess. Oh, Apple TV. Uh, same thing. It won't be on my TV. Yeah. I'll have to watch it on my my iPad or my. That's right. Tonight's game is on Apple TV. Only uh, Melanie and uh, Chris Young are calling tonight's game for Apple TV Plus. Hey, uh, we will be back for the Tyus Bowser Show on Tuesday night. We will be at Skipjack's Crab Deck in Middle River. I want to make that very clear. This is Skipjack's Crab Deck on Middle River, not the place on Bel Air Road. Skipjack's Crab Deck is where we're going to be on Tuesday night for the Tyus Bowser Show. Tyus and his special guest will be there with us. There is no catch. I, I keep thinking that people struggle with this. In- unless we tell you, hey, tonight's a charity night. We need you to bring out a donation of some sort. Unless we tell you that ahead of time, you just come hang out and you get to meet your favorite Baltimore football players, including Tyus Bowser, who's, you know, maybe the nicest. And he usually brings along a guest. He always brings along a guest. I mean, we've not had an unfortunate circumstance where he had a guest lined up and they bailed on him. We have not had that play out yet. Of course, he had Justin Houston out for the first one, and and he was great. And those guys hung out afterwards and were, you know – they wouldn't. They didn't want to leave. I mean, those guys were were getting tours of Guilford Hall Brewery when we were there. I mean, this any chance that Lamar Jackson would come and not talk about his uh, contract? That would be a catch. <laughs> when I say there's no catch, there would be probably be a few catches involved with that appearance. Um, but yeah, Tyus Bowser show Tuesday night. It's partnership of Press Box and Great Eights Memorabilia. Thanks to Maryland Vascular Specialists and the All New Ginsu Grill for partnering to make it happen as well. We will see you on Tuesday night find out more by going to pressboxonline.com slash bowser when we come back in a major athletics facility in the area has a new name and i think there should be a controversy surrounding something going on at the maryland football game tomorrow night i want to talk about both those things and we'll get a tidbit and two bit to wrap it up it's glenn clark radio have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports, or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the Bataround every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try the fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or the scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for the daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. That's glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sport. Check out Jeremy Kahn's daily picks at PressBoxOnline.com as he tries to find you daily winners. And speaking of winners, here's a man who once won a media curling contest. And I don't think anything else. He's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR as we wind down for a Friday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles is here. Today's show also brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is coming soon, so get the details and reserve yours today at ginsugrills.com. And if you are headed to the game on Sunday, are you going to the game on Sunday, Stan? Yes, I am. I hear it's going to be close to 90 degrees. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, is it, it, it always feels like there's one of these, post-Labor Day, there's one of these really brutal weekends. Um, if you're headed to the game, then stop by Mother's. Mother's is throwing another, not my, sorry, let me take not strike your, that. Not your mother's. mother's. is throwing the party, but it's at Hammerjacks. I got to, it's complicated. My apologies. Stop by Hammerjacks. On Russell Street, right next to the stadium, Mothers is throwing a great tailgate party there this Sunday starting at 9 a.m., and you can stop by before, during, and after every Ravens home game. It's free to get in. There's also an all-inclusive option for $49 with premium brand open bar and great food. Tickets and details at hammerjacks.com. And while you're there, don't forget to stop by the Press Box Ginsu Grills tent for free samples and contests. Griffin, you're the uh, spokesmodel yeah, yeah, yeah. for Sunday. You're the yes, one running yeah, so the. Feel free are you to say doing hi to the? Me. Are you doing the grilling? No, no, no. Mike uh, Carberry. Is, uh, okay. Gonna be, right, he, right. He's a chef. He'll, he will be doing. Fair the enough. He's going to so, handle yeah, some great sausages. Uh, great. Right. Try Mike's sausages. I thought the confusion you were trying to clear up was that. People would think it was at your mother's. Ah, no, 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 no. no. At Hammerjacks. So Mother's is ho- we all know Mother's, mothers of, course. of course. Mother's at multiple locations in yep. the area. They are hosting the party, but the party is at Hammerjacks. Hammerjacks. Has nothing to do with your mother. No, my mother. To my knowledge. Okay. Now that could be another surprise that <laughs> you get there, and and there's Mrs. Clark, not my wife, but my mother, Mrs. Clark. Does uh, your mother know what you're about to do? No, no, 
no, no, no, no, no need. No need to have that conversation <laughs> at any point. Although, once she found out it was for charity, she'd be very proud of me for yes. doing something like that. Um, Stan, uh, there's a big football game tomorrow night in College Park. Maryland, SMU. Maryland take on an SMU. And a lot of people don't realize how good SMU is. They are one of the top offenses in the country. This is a really tough matchup for Maryland early in the season. They're trying to pack the stadium, uh, and it's going to have a new name. As the stadium is going to have a new name. The stadium will have a new name. Maryland has announced today that um, what has temporarily been known as Maryland Stadium, after previously being Bird Stadium, of course they stripped right. Curly right. Bird's name off of the stadium because we all remembered, oh, right, he was kind of garbage as far as being a person was concerned. Maybe we don't need to have a stadium named after him. They temporarily went with Maryland Stadium. They have sold a corporate sponsorship. It will be CQ Stadium moving forward, the uh, stadium in College Park, starting tomorrow night. Now, that... As, as opposed to the CQ Arena. Yeah, Towson. Copying Towson. Right. I mean, yeah, that's right. That's what they're doing. Ridiculous. They're biting Towson. Exactly right. You nailed it. Um, that, to me, is not controversial, of course, in any way. It's just a corporate name. You're putting on a stadium. It helps them make money and, and improve, and God bless. The controversy, to me, is a tweet that came from Maryland fan Rudy Gersten on Twitter this week. It says, quote, Maryland fans, it's back. I'm told Rock and Roll Part 2 will now be played by the UMD band at home football games for the first time since 2003. After returning to men's basketball games late last season, Maryland football was 19-1 in its last 20 home games when the song was banned in 04. Now, I brought this up on yesterday's show because that's when I saw the tweet, and my initial reaction was like, oh, re really? And I remember thinking this when it came back last year. Stan, you'll maybe remember, of course, everyone remembers the song, da -na -na -na. hey, and then you Maryland suck. fans, yes, would shout back, you suck. And then the end of they get to the end of the chorus, and they'd say, We're, uh, hey, you suck. We're going to beat the hell out of you and you and you. And that was the way that it would go. And when they banned the song, it was part of, you know, crowds are getting out of control. They're too drunk and we're throwing things. And so we're going to get rid of Rock and Roll Part 2 because we want to make things a bit more civil around mm -hmm. here. Which, to be fair, was a, a fairly silly reason to ban the song. Yeah. The song was... It, the alcohol would maybe be the problem, not the song. And... Given many of the things that are said at many stadiums, saying you suck or we're going to beat the hell out of you, quite tame in comparison to many of the things that are said yeah. at sporting events. Now, my problem is not related. I am not okay with the song coming back. I, I don't. There is no ambiguity to this to me. I'm not okay with the song coming back, but it has nothing to do with you suck or we're going to beat the hell out of you. My problem is... Stan, do you think that the University of Maryland band would be okay to play an R. Kelly song at the game? Do you think that would be greeted with, this is a wise thing to do? No. Do no. you know the story of Gary Glitter? Not really. Gary Glitter is the man that gave us Rock and Roll Part 2, and if I tell you that he's essentially R. Kelly, I mean it. The story on Gary Glitter, garbage human, worthless, awful, wretched human. I can't even, I attempted yesterday to pull from his Wikipedia page just portions of the story on Gary Glitter when I shared why it is that I'm not okay with this, and I still 
can't fully convey what a garbage human being. Here are some of the highlights. In November 1997, Glitter was arrested after a technician discovered pornographic images of children on the hard drive of a laptop he had taken to a computer retailer in Bristol for repairs. Uh, he was sentenced to four months in prison and placed on the sex offender registry after he admitted downloading more than 4,000 items of child pornography. He was, however, cleared of a charge of having sex with a 14-year-old girl because of some reason. that. It... Moving forward, in Vietnam in 2005, he rented a luxury seaside villa and applied for permanent Vietnamese residency. He came to the attention of Vietnamese authorities after being banned from a nightclub for allegedly groping a teenage waitress. Eyewitnesses also reported seeing him take two young girls into his home. On November 12, 2005, he fled his home. A 15-year-old girl was found living in his flat and was questioned by authorities. Um... Uh, at uh, November 20th of that year, while trying to abort a flight in Bangkok, uh, he was arrested because six Vietnamese, girl, Vietnamese girls and women aged from 11 to 23 claimed that Glitter had had sex with them. Uh, I'll go on. In 2006, he was tried on charges of committing obscene acts with two girls aged 10 and 11. And I'm, ju- I'm yeah, giving it goes you, on and on I'm and giving on. you the super abridged version of this. This isn't someone that maybe did something one time and there was a little bit of ambiguity about it. Like maybe she made up the story. Like this is someone who has an R. Kelly-esque sheet. A rap sheet. I cannot believe that no one's talking about this. I get it. It's a I ke- had no idea. About it's it. a catchy song. I understand that. And everybody liked doing the You Suck thing. I understand that. Maryland's trying to get a packed crowd tomorrow night because they know it's a big game and they want a great atmosphere for it. And they want to believe that things are turning around for Maryland football. There are new traditions that you can create. You change the name of the stadium because you realized, hey, the guy was a bad guy. We shouldn't name a stadium after him. Right. <clears throat> Maybe you say... Hey, this guy's a really bad guy. We shouldn't play the song at the games. Agreed. Doesn't seem that hard to me. No. Nope. Don't know why this is something that we're dealing with again. I would like to hope that someone with a brain involved will step in and say, nah, man, pick a different song. We can say you suck to just, a, just about can, any song that exists. Anywhere, we can yeah. find a way to incorporate the words you suck into and that we'll, song. We'll beat the heck out of you. Correct. You. We can find a popular you know a, a techno tune whatever the kids are into these days and we can find a way to incorporate making fun of our opponents somehow in that song we don't need to go back to get i i understand that it's difficult separating artist from art it's something that we have struggled with like i i find it tough i, I like kevin spacey movies it's a tough thing for me right i just feel as though we should probably be at a place where when it's overwhelming we all understand Maybe not something we should be doing. Maybe we leave this alone. Griffin's going to the game. Just told me he was struggling with whether or not he participates in the You Suck chant when they do play the game, uh, the song tomorrow. Is he currently in prison? Yeah. Yes, like he's he definitely currently yeah. in prison, as he should be, yeah, no. because he is garbage. Yeah. Heinous. Very glitter. Just unthinkable I had no idea I get it didn't get as much prominence as R. Kelly did because R. Kelly was a more prominent artist and more modern and things along those lines but his story is unfathomable and Google exists like we should be able to say 
Hey, maybe not. And I'm stunned by how many Maryland people are in my sphere and me tweeting about it yesterday, none of them really wanted to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Just want to say, yeah, but... They knew it and didn't want to deal no, with it. No, but I'm telling them. Right. I'm, I'm copying and pasting. I'm putting up right. all of these things. And they're and going, yeah, but, it's but just, it'll be or, fun to... Right, or it's yeah. just... Or they just don't want to deal with it. They yeah. just want to... Yeah, but we want to chant, you suck at a football game. All right. Uh, winding down for today's show. It's also been brought to you by Guilford Hall Brewery. They've got a huge Oktoberfest party coming up one week from tomorrow. Next Saturday, you're going to want to be at 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North for their huge Oktoberfest party. It's also their anniversary party. They've got It's free admission for a party that runs from noon to midnight, but they've got two VIP ticket uh, packages available all you can drink for thirty dollars. Now, Stan, I'm—I was a young man once. Mm-hmm. If you told me I was going to a party for twelve hours, I was probably going to drink more than thirty dollars worth of beer at a brewery. Just, just to, even if I was going to a party for five hours, I'm probably going to drink a little bit more than thirty dollars worth of beer. They also have an all-you-can-eat and drink package available for eighty dollars. And again, this is a day where you can be there all day and have multiple meals. Seems like a pretty good way to spend the day to me. We got a bunch of great contests. Dunk the Brewer, Stein Holding. Going to be an incredible day. Gary Music. Stein will be there? I don't think it's going to be Gary Stein Holding. I think it's Beer Stein Holding. Oh, but, okay. Yeah. But I'm willing to consider that for a future. Maybe we host a Gary Stein Holding contest. I he's, love you know, the he's, idea. he's in great shape these I days. Love the concept. Maybe we have a Gary Stein Holding contest. Uh, find out more guilfordhall.com. That's where you get your tickets. Uh, they're open seven days a week now. The uh, the craft brew is excellent. The food, the Bavarian menu is outstanding. Guilfordhall.com. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. Stecka hit a bet last, last night. Oh, he won his, yeah, his first, first half Oh, because, yeah, he had the first, first half, half under. under. Yeah, yeah, in the football game last night. And they did, it was only like... I think it was like 17. I think it was like, what, 10 to 7? This, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Something like so, that. Smart. Smart play. Um, FanDuel Sportsbook is where you get all your bets in for the weekend. College tomorrow, Sunday for the NFL. And you can Aussie just... Aussie rules football. Yeah, if that's what you're into like Griffin is. G-Long oh, won this morning. Oh, so you're one, yes. you're one for one. one Very for one good. Very good. Uh, gratuitous grouping, that is. Yeah, my, uh, Griffin. My gratuitous, gratuitous grouping. Gratuitous grouping. Um, look, they got the bet pads available now and the FanDuel Sportsbook, so you can get there tomorrow at like 11.30 a.m., put money on your bet pad, and you don't have to go back up to the kiosk or back up to the window all day. Seems like a pretty good deal. Same thing on Sunday for NFL betting. Get there at noon, go right up to the window, say, hey, I'm here all day, I'm betting all day. Just get your bet pad, load your money on it. It's as simple as that. FanDuel Sportsbook Live Casino and Hotel. What you got? All right. So it is the anniversary of Clinchmas when the Orioles clinched the American League East on September 16th. Eight years ago today. I saw saw pictures in my on this day. Yes. So, uh, and I'm going to do one of my favorite tidbits. I like going over the lineup. lineup? Yeah. I like going over what was the lineup that day, September 16th, 2014. So can you tell me the nine starters of that game? Um, and it is, is it? Adam Jones. I was very surprised. Yes, yes. Definitely, Adam Jones. definitely Adam Jones. Adam uh, Jones Matt, third. Matt Wieters. Matt Wieters was not catching on this evening. So it wasn't Caleb Joseph. Not Joseph. Taylor Teagarden. Not Teagarden. <laughs> oh my God. goodness! I can't uh, Hunley. Yep, Nick Hunley. Okay, Nick Hunley. that's a good one. By the way, I can never. Uh, this is a straight shoot. I always get Nick and Todd Hunley. I've gotten Nick and Todd Hunley confused. The reason why I just say Hunley. Nick is Todd's son, right? Is it? Is he? 
I'm not. Sh- uh, is that real? I definitely I, never knew you that. You know, it, it 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 either is real or it you was ma- something or I you made up, I made up years ago and never. And I'm telling on the radio, I would refer to Nick Hunley as Todd Hunley, and right. then I would get embarrassed by it, so I stopped. I just started saying Hunley. Hunley. So Wikipedia says uh, his dad's name was Tim Hunley. Ah, okay, different, not different dad. Is he related? This is his uncle. Yeah, is he related to Todd? I don't think there is a relationship. All right, uh, Hardy. Uh, yes, J.J. Hardy. Hardy. Yes, he was in the lineup. How about the left fielder, the uh, guy who uh, came out of nowhere, uh, former Pittsburgh Pirate, solidified left field. I can't um, think of his name now. He he was the guy who uh, hit the big double and Chris Davis. No, Delman Young. Uh, no, oh, no, 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 no. White guy. White oh, guy. David David Lau? David no, 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 no. Not no. David Lau. He was not in this line. Oh, something like O'Flaherty, but it's not O'Flaherty. It's um, uh, oh, uh, Nate McLeod. McLeod. Uh, that's oh, what McLeod? I'm thinking. No, oh, yeah. Not, no, not no, him. Not. He was okay. the 20. He was on the yeah, 2012. Yeah, 2012. 2012 was his name. Yeah, 2012 was his name. Marquecas was hurt, right? Was Marquecas hurt? Marquez, uh, yes, Marquez. Yeah, he was out from being what? hit. Oh yeah, Marquez was leading off. Yeah, right he was. Yeah, yeah. Marquez was in the lineup. Yeah, Chris Davis. Chris Davis. No, no, because he was suspended. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, trick, he was trick after trick. He was. Well, Marquez was a, in the lineup. A, like right. this lineup, but Jonathan Scope. Uh, yes, Scope. Uh, or sorry, no, Scope was not starting. He came in a pinch hit. Christ. Sorry, I'm sorry. So who would have? Steve Pierce. Yep, there you go. Steve Pierce, uh, batting fifth, playing first base. Big three-run homer. So then we still don't have a second baseman. Flaherty? Uh, yes, Flaherty. Ryan Flaherty. Okay. Started at second. J.J. Hardy. You're never going to get the third baseman. Oh, God. It wasn't Machado. He, he had a three-run homer in the Or actually, not a three-run homer, but he hit a home run in the game. Uh, yeah, because Machado was hurt. Um, mm. I think of what hints I can give for this guy. Well, we, have, we, have, we still have three guys missing from this <laughs> list. We're still missing... Uh, oh, Nelson Cruz had to. Yes, Nelson Cruz Nelson was designated Cruz was the D- DH. DH. Yes, batting fourth. And who else are we missing? The left fielder. Left fielder uh, and another, the catcher and, and the third. No, base. Hunley. Hunley was catching. Oh, and the and the third baseman. Yeah, third baseman. So. Uh, was it okay? So I remember them acquiring two players there in August. They acquired Kelly Johnson. Not Kelly Johnson. Uh, was Diazza? Was he the left fielder? Yes. Okay. Andre Diazza. Remember, they, remember that Rogan, was the, they three-run three bases loaded that, triple. I didn't remember yeah. that. That was when you could still make August thirty first trades. Yeah, like um, the waiver. The, yeah, picked them up from the White Sox. And right? they got they got both on Oakland. August thirty first. They got both Kelly Johnson and Alejandro Diazza. Yeah. Boy, you've got a great memory. No, I remember random things. <laughs> <Yeah>. Stan, <laughs> like I don't have a great memory. I just remember some super random things. Third baseman on that team. I mean, I have, like, no hints for him. I'm trying it's to... It's not Betterment, was it? No, it was not Betterment. Yeah. He, um, he was all over the place. He had a couple years with Houston. Weeks? Not Weeks. Jameel Weeks, not Jameel Weeks. a couple weeks. years with Houston. Before... Oh, God. Was and then Kansas City for, like, uh, a pa- week. Parades. Yep. Parades. Jimmy Parades. Jimmy Parades. I do. What I number do. did he wear, Stan? I have no idea. 38. <laughs> no, it's not unacceptable. It's very good. It's not. Very the good. only reason I remember Parades is because when Isaac Parades started, I uh, thought yeah, yeah. that was you who it was. <laughs> You're like, he came back. When I, yeah, I really did. I legitimately that'd be, that'd was like, quite a comeback. So who was right? the starting pitcher? In that uh, Ubaldo. Okay. Five strongish innings, allowed two runs, right. uh, 97 pitches in five innings. It was a heck of a night. It, it was, was enough. A great night. Pies, the whole thing. Yes. All right, Tubular is brought to you by the Maryland Five-Star Sea Olympic Athletes in Action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars. Maryland Five-Star at Fairhill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. 
Um, so as Buck Martinez told us earlier tonight, we will not know who the Blue Jays are starting tonight uh, as they are going to go with a bullpen game for tonight's game against the Orioles. Um, we'll find out before the game who the first pitcher will be. It's on Apple TV Plus tonight, That's 7 right. o'clock. No Masson tonight. Yep. Jordan Lyles on the mound for the Birds. Tomorrow at 3 o'clock on Masson, Kyle Bradish and Jose Barrios. And on Sunday at 1.30, Dean Kramer and Alec Manoa. College football tomorrow, uh, Maryland and SMU is on FS1 at 7.30. Towson is at West Virginia tomorrow Ooh. at noon. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Let's go. West Virginia lost somebody last year. Yeah, they're 0-2. Did they, lose like Ka- they lost to Kansas. So Kansas. they went to overtime. Yeah. That's pretty and, embarrassing. And lost by two touchdowns in overtime because they threw shot. a pick six. Uh, Morgan's at home tomorrow at noon against Sacred Heart. Stevenson's at home tomorrow at 1 against Alvernia. Hopkins is at home at 1 tomorrow against Juniata. Uh, there really aren't any big games this week. That's the reason why college game days at Appalachian State, because there just aren't big college football games this weekend. Sunday, CBS, Dolphins, Ravens at 1. Then the uh, local TV games, Bengals, Cowboys at 425. Fox will have Falcons, Rams as their 4 o'clock game uh, locally. And then Bears, Packers at 820 on NBC. Everything else, you can go to glennclarkradio.com. PLL Championship. Yeah. Sure, that's... Yeah, sure. big bit more of a big sports weekend. Not a whole lot. New episode of Lord of the Lord of, Lord of the Rings show, um, the Great British Baking Show. New season of that on Netflix. Um, Cameron Diaz is going to be on Jimmy Fallon tonight. Okay, that's uh, and that's then a, House of the Dragon right. uh, on, on HBO Sunday, on Sunday. No yeah. doubt. Uh, apparently, the Ravens have announced they're going to bring back Edgar and Allen as their mascots this year, since Poe is unavailable. So there's that. If that nice. interests you. Uh, we're going to wrap up. News. That's big news. Uh, our buddy Chris Comfort is here. He's going to, uh, this is the assignment he's waited for his entire life is photographing the two of his us parents are so in the proud. buff. This was the moment for him. He's been thinking about it for weeks. This is why truly Chris was a model himself, but the reason he went behind the camera is because he knew this day might come. He knew this day might be here. So Stan and I are going to go out and do that. Pre-order the boys of Hamden calendar boysofhamden.com. Do we know what month we're going to be? Is it like September? I think October? September is the September. word. That's my birthday month, so I do like that. Um, September, the boys of Hamden, or sorry, boysofhamden.com is the website. Pre-order your calendar. It supports the Hamden Family Center. Stan the Fan, thanks for coming in again this week at Stan the Fan on Twitter. You'll be back on Monday with uh, Ross talking Ross, baseball. Somebody, somebody, somebody. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk with Ross and somebody and yeah. somebody, no doubt. Promise. Um, and of course, power rankings will come out on Monday as well. Yeah. Um, and then he'll be on the bat around tomorrow morning with Paul and Zach from ten to noon, as they'll be talking baseball with you in the midst of a big series with the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Thanks today to Trent Green. Thanks to Bo Smolka. Thanks also to Buck Martinez. We'll get all that up in the greatest hits section of the tab at glennclarkradio.com. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Casas Inn, Maryland Lottery, Guilford Hall Brewery, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, Maryland Vascular Specialist, the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Sunday... Halftime, facebook.com slash Sports for Project Game Day. And then Reed and I are with you post-game on 105.7 The Fan. We'll be back on Monday. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Birds, go Ravens, go Terps, go Towson. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.